Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Um, joined by a full roster as always today. We're going to jump straight into the introductions today, boys. Nice and quick. We're obviously joined by the toothless wonder that is the man that's still wondering what's going on with his NHL team. Uh, hello, Gref. How are we doing? Yeah, not wrong there. Hey, how's it going? I'm all right, mate. It's nearly at the end of another week. Um, I'm not liking the NHL at the moment. Pens just seem to be dropping players to COVID all the time. I'm not liking the Elite League at the moment because the Steelers seem to be dropping points that they shouldn't be dropping. So, in a hockey sense, not that great. But, yeah, generally, yeah, I'm all right, mate. Sorry, I mean, it, for me, it's the opposite way around, but NHL yeah. style anyway. I don't like this. Well, in fairness, Elite League style, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, we'll come to it later, but a beautiful result on the Saturday. That we absolutely will, but you're not wrong there, mate. You are not wrong there. We were standing at the game going, were we standing at the game? No, Dave was at mine watching the webcast for the Steelers game, and we were all going, what? What? That must be wrong. I kept saying, well, that might be fresh. Flash Gore is going to come up with a correction in a minute. I was like, no. Um, but yeah, we'll come back to that in a bit anyway. Uh, next, we obviously have Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, how are we doing today? All right, Joe. Uh, just a little bit rubbish, to be honest with you. Uh, not feeling brilliant again. Uh, that's my problem, Matt. Though, uh, how, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm admiring the, uh, the 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 trooper that is like fighting through the illnesses to uh, keep us going on this the full roster streak, mate. You're uh, you're fighting through the you're fighting through the sickness to be here with us. So yeah, we we appreciate yeah, it. Very, I am, man. You're very welcome. Wrong podcast. Um, that's true, yeah. It's like the NHL, isn't it? We're getting a my fancy Zamboni Iron Man streak going, <laughs> going strong. Cheers. Oh, other, other than the illness, how are we doing, Andy? We're we, we all good. Uh, other than that, uh, not too bad, thanks. Cheers. Good. That's what we'd like to hear. And uh, last but not least, we're joined by uh, the man who tipped his team to win the Stanley Cup and then haven't had necessarily the best start, um, Mr. David Grant. How are we doing? Not too bad, uh, Joseph. Uh, just a few things I want to rattle on. First of all, I'm not the only one who's running what on earth's going off with Gref's NHL team. Secondly, is it five five pods in five full full roster? We're on the bandwagon. We're on the wagon here. Something like since we started <sighs> like after the off season, yeah, we're definitely we're on a hundred. We're on a wagon. Um, the only and all, percent for. <laughs> and also, the last weekend we won back to back games. Uh, we're now in a more positive. Uh, Formers in the Islanders. Um, so, not too bad. We'll not mention the Elite League yet, but uh, no. the Islanders, it's, it's not too bad at the moment. Um, not long now till uh, 20, 23 days till the, the home opener in Belmont. I mean, more importantly, if we're talking about days countdown, like 20 days and we'll be on his way to Denmark. So, I'm not really bothered about the home in opener. Fairness, mate, in <laughs> fairness, mate, this time in 20 days we'll be well uh, in the local um, hospitality um, establishments of Copenhagen um, so and I'm with you on that one because by the time the game starts whilst we're in Copenhagen if we're in a fit state to watch that then I'll be disappointed if I'm honest with you no yeah not wrong one face off one two a.m face off I can't remember if it's one hour two hours in front I'd say someone take an iPad but given the lack of uh, <laughs> room that I think we're going to have in bags that might not be the most optimum idea it's going to be us all sitting around in the room watching it on his phones in the Scottish bar in Copenhagen. 
Um, yeah, well, in fairness, mate, this time next week, me and Gref are going to be... I'm, I'm good. This time next week, me and Gref are going to be at the O2. So, That's getting nice, in there, getting pushed around in a mosh pit watching uh, Bullet for My Valentine. And then going to Satan's. And then going to Satan's. I'm more disappointed in the second bit because that's one I even I'd go to. Um, having been myself and kind of like last week's podcast, just literally uttered WTF many times, but still enjoyed it. I've never been. This will, this will be my first time going to Satan's. So You'll I'm, enjoy it. Oh, I have no doubt. I've no doubt. Anyway, gents, shall we get on to the hockey? <laughs> if we have to. So. In the uh, in the past week, we've had some league games to start with. We'll start off with the game that that Gref probably wants us to talk about the most. Saturday we had Manchester versus Belfast with a three nil win for the home team, which was obviously the Storm. Uh, Sunday we had Steelers five. I'm going through league and then Challenge Cup, by the way, just before anybody says you've missed out some games. Um, Sunday we had Steelers five in Sheffield. Steelers taking a five two win. And also Cardiff, Manchester, getting a 3-0 win at home for Cardiff. Uh, and then Wednesday, we had Sheffield, Coventry, where Sheffield took a 3-4 loss at home. Um, yeah. And then we move on to the Challenge Cup, where we had Guildford, Coventry, with a 2-0 win for Guildford in Guildford. Dundee, Fife, um, with 4-3 win for Fife on the road. Panthers versus Steelers in Nottingham, 3-2 overtime win for the Panthers. Shout out to Andy as well for getting the correct score on that one in predictions. Um, he's delighted, as you can tell. <laughs> um, Sunday, we had Belfast Dundee with Belfast taking a surprisingly close win at 4-3 in a shootout. Shout out to Dave on that one because he said 4-3. So that's another correct prediction that we got. Two, two correct results this week. Um, or to a correct score, should I say. Uh, Coventry-Guildford, a 2-1 win in Guildford. We'll come back to that one later. It's a nice eventful game. And then last but not least, we had Guildford versus Cardiff in Guildford. Uh, Cardiff taking a 3-2 overtime win. Uh, straight over to you, boys. Which one stood out to you? Go on, Gref. Start it off. Let's get it out of the way. Well, yeah, I'm definitely going <laughs> to... Yeah, going, going home, full homer on this one, but wouldn't you... No, that's get get out the past. Nah, that's that, that's never going away, mate. That that's like the happy birthday Gareth from the Yorkshire County Cricket Club captain. That's never going away. <laughs> no, I expect to see that I next year. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, I'm gonna say Storm beating Belfast three nil at home. You know, uh, Adam Brader, Cram, uh, Cam Critchlow, and then Scott Simmons. Beautiful. Looking at the shots, it was actually a close game. 34 shots to 32. Matt game with a shot out, showing what you can actually do when everyone's playing to their best they can. Um, I think everyone in the league, apart from Belfast, loved it. You're not wrong as a Steelers fan, though, you can very much confirm that. There was a lot of you what when you saw the flash, flash scores come up with the different scores from from that game. Um, I'll I'll stay at the wrong side of the Pennines uh, with the the game that was being played whilst we recorded last week's 
um, Storm beating Dundee. I won't lie to you. We've, we've uh, based on their results, we've uh, mocked Manchester uh, this season so far. Um, and truth be told, right. for so. It'll, it'll, it'll happen again, it'll, you know. Only just because, you know, we've got to keep Griff on his toes. But fair play to Storm last uh, beating Dundee, who, after the week four, was a close game against Sheffield. You thought it would be nearly as close again, but far from it. 6-2 win. Ulrich getting a few points this season. Um, good to see a Brit doing well in Manchester. Not seeing the, the Brit Stone, just another one that you don't hear of more often doing the business. Uh, Braid again, as Greff already mentioned, short-handed. Uh, Hamilton short-handed. Morgan, critical on the power play. And obviously, very second. Um, Dowitz and Sanchez with Dundee's goal, but a good, impressive result for Manchester. When we talked at the beginning of the season, these are one of the games where you go, can they actually make the playoffs? Winning these games will be, will end up being the deciding factor. So oh, only in the. Manchester's favour, so uh, fair play, Manchester. There was also two fights as well. There was, yeah, it was uh, a bit of a, yeah. I mean, there was oh, one fight, let's be honest. There was one fight. Yeah. down as fighting penalties. Yeah. Then just on that basis, then we'll have to call them fights. I mean... I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, Joe, but... Who are we to argue against the game sheet? Uh, how long have you got? <laughs> I mean, for once, it wasn't me doing the game sheet. ten hours, so yeah, plenty of time. On tonight, is it? So, but now, fair play, Manchester. Um, I don't feel comfortable saying that. So, Andy, go on. <laughs> What's your mouth? Yeah, I will do it. I don't have time to quit, um, to uh, blow my nose and everything. Um, I'm going again from last night. Uh, Guildford and Cardiff. Three uh, two Cardiff. Three uh, two Cardiff after over after overtime, and uh, it's the sort of usual suspects with this Cardiff team. Uh, and to be honest with Guildford as well, you had Trevor Cox scoring first, make it one 0 for Cardiff, and then uh, Guildford and answer back with two. Both Ian McNulty scoring both of them again. Um, it's, it's going to be a very good race at top for top point scorer because I think there's quite a few up there with contention right now. Uh, and to tie the game for Cardiff again, another usual person, Brodie Reed, who currently sits at the top of the standings, which I'll, I'll, I'll go through in terms of uh, top scorers so far at the, at the end. Uh, but he's still in first place with a lot of points. Uh, and again, no time. It's Trevor Cox again with his second. So. Uh, it's the usual sort of players you expect from both teams, uh, getting the points, but still a very good tight contested game, which is really what you want, especially in Challenge Cup. So, yeah, very good game. Cheers, mate. Glad to hear that you had uh, time to blow your nose there. And, uh, yeah, if you, you heard right, everybody, we have the return of Stafford stats again at the end, so uh, that's something for you to look forward to. So if at any point we're talking for too long, that's something to keep you, <laughs> keep you listening. Um, the game for me is Dundee Fife, and um, I have to say one of the reasons for this is because I remember um, this was I think this was Sunday, wasn't it? So this was we I was stood next to Dave at this point watching and and Andy, but I remember constantly turning around to Dave and going, "It's one nil Dundee," and then my watch would ping again and it would go, "It's one one five." And game literally went one nil Dundee one one two one five two two 
3-2 Dundee, 3-3, 4-3-5. So it's the most bizarre game. I can't imagine what it was like to watch for the fans. It must have been a real, like, don't know whether you're coming or going moment. Uh, goals from uh, Sebastian Benson, Charlie Combs and Philip Sanch for the Dundee Stars. Flyers, uh, Michael McNicholas, Jacob Benson, Eric Nasland and Jacob Benson again. Um just sounded like a real heart in the mouth kind of game and that's that's the kind of game you want to watch at the end of the day um 41 shots for the stars uh so it really shows you that Shane Owen is is very much the saving grace for this five team at the moment 23 shots for the flyers so the flyers get a three uh, get a 4-3 win despite the fact that they out, were outshot by 18 shots um five power plays for five six power plays for Dundee so pretty even for the, re- the remainder of it um, Fife running on a 60% power play percentage as well, whereas Dundee were on 16.67. So it goes to show you perfect example in terms of you get your special teams on point and that's what you see. You're going to 92.68 save percentage for Shane Owen. So a great game by the sounds of it. And I mean, we're again towards the end or we're at the end of the, uh, of the, the, the scores kind of section for this week. And all I can say is the Elite League seriously, seriously need to bring back showing the goals and putting the goals out on Twitter after every game because this is the kind of game that you want to be able to go, why? OK, let's see what went on in that game. Let's just watch the goals from that for a minute. Um, well, it's not the Elite League. The team should. But it used to be the Elite League did it the last full season or the last whatever season it was before COVID. Yeah, the league used to do it. So the Elite League itself tweeted out the goals from every game and the post games from each coach. And it was really good. I'd literally sit there in an evening and watch all the goals and see what all the games were like. Um, it's making our job a hell of a lot harder because if you want to actually comment properly on a game now, you've got to watch the highlights. And even the highlights aren't that readily available. So, And also, given that most Teams' webcasts are by the same company. Shouldn't even be that difficult. It shouldn't be difficult at all. No. Get the goals. Get the post-match interviews. Thank you very much. Must so do better. Anybody from the league's listening, uh, we get that you're doing the top however many. I also said, right, this is a completely impromptu thing. Does anybody else understand why when we do the top goals or the top saves of the week, we're doing six? Just pick five. Why? Maybe they don't like odd numbers. I just don't understand. Just Why is it? It defeats the objects. The next week, let's do 14 and then just keep going until every goal gets short. No, actually, if every goal gets scorched and it's shown, then we'll get what we want. So, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, if you're listening, we get that you're doing the top goals, the top saves, the play of the, the day, which is a strange new one, given that you showed the top goals and the top saves. Uh, just do the goals again. Um, yeah. Impromptu run over. Um the next section that I've got written down, gents, is first impressions. Obviously, to date, somebody might have to help me out here with the teams that we've already done. But if memory serves, we've done Guildford, Cardiff, Sheffield. And last week we did Dundee. And I want to say five. I thought we did Nottingham. I think we did Nottingham. Did we do Nottingham and Dundee? Yeah. OK, ignore that. Sorry, five fans. Um, yeah, we did Nottingham and Dundee. I'd like to say we edit this so I can get rid of that, but that's not true. Um, no, we'll this keep week, that in. It'd be bad if I'd got five written down to talk about now, wouldn't it? Um, so this week we've got Manchester and Coventry. Uh, just because we know that Gref wants some more time to talk about his team, we'll save that until last. We'll go for Coventry first and keep him waiting. Um, Coventry, 
fire away. Especially after last night. Um, we, we, I think we've, we called it spot on that they're going to be a team that will be difficult to play against, in particular in their building. And if you get points out there, very similar to Dundee, if you get points out of there, you've done well. They, those will be the results that will determine who takes the Monteith Bowl or silverware. I'm not sure if it's a bowl now. Um, home with them. Bowls um, are available. No, it's, it's the old name of the trophy. It's the Mon- Monteith yeah, Bowl, yeah. isn't it? I don't think it is uh, the bowl or is it? I thought it was... That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if it's a bowl. I can't remember what it is. I think they've changed it now. Yeah. Isn't it that very European-looking cup now? I'm yeah, not sure. But um, Spider Bike. We set, that's, that's, that's mere detail. We've, we've named already in terms of who we think will make a difference to Coventry. They've already started doing it. CJ Mart, Ferrara. Um, Venus is looking like he's starting to get some form when he broke into uh, Coventry many years ago under Paul Thompson, if we're allowed to say, say those two words and uh, <laughs> not get the resistance all warmed up. Um, Hamannick's looking like um, he's stepped into the captaincy role well. Um, we know you get you get him with Brown. Um, I'm not saying it in a bad way. Um, we just you just know his game. Um, Clements as well before his uh, his suspension, which we're going to mention very shortly. Uh, the goal he scored against Sheffield on the first game of the Premier Sports coverage, absolute bullet, um, which bodes well for GB. And yeah, they're gonna cause trouble. They're gonna they're gonna be that pesky style team. Um, I think one of the cups could be theirs. Looking at this team, yeah, the players that we mentioned, they're all looking, showing reason why. And then obviously, player that's something out for me at the moment. Johnny Curran. He's in the league himself, five games, seven points. And in the cup, six games, four points. He's showing it can not only assist some great some great passes to the likes of Ferrara. He's actually showing he can put it in the net. The only thing that I think is probably gonna stop them from being like what a top four top five team is their discipline if they have anything like what's gone on last week then yeah that's gonna in the end game that's just gonna bite them in the backside apart from that they all look a really, really decent team i mean some of the players are still there from last well last season prior before COVID hit, and they're just they're just looking like a pretty decent team all, all together. Watching from last night's game, especially, uh, they seem to have something that I've not had for a long time, and and that's the uh, the the edge, the competitiveness, the um, toughness, if you like. Um, I'm not I'm not really on about brawl or anything, just the team as a whole. Um, they you know the willing to stick up for each other. The, the player are really solid um, in-your-face game, and that's the sort of teams that's going to compete for championships. Uh, again, it's something we've not seen for quite a while from them. 
Uh, it's nice to see that back and see them competing. Uh, we've got some fantastic players in that team. That's a fantastic players. Um, I mean, Ferrara, for one, always gets the points on the board. Uh, one of the most underrated Brits, I think, currently currently in the league. Um, you know, there's anything you're doing, Ferrara can do it. He's been fantastic this season so far. Uh, it's good to see um, Ross Venus as well. Uh, very a similar play to, to Ferrara. Uh, also putting the points. But it's a really good depth in that roster, and especially at the back. Uh, they brought in Hamannick uh, and Joy Ratz as well, quite like. So it's a very in-depth in, in uh, roster they've got. Uh, they've got some experienced players. And, you know, again, this is a team that is going to compete. It's a team that's going to surprise uh, what we'd say in brackets or um, I think about <laughs> whatever they're called. Um, the, the top three sort of teams, I think these will challenge and uh, I'm, I'm really surprised them to a point. And yeah, but it's, just, it's great to see they've got a, a more competitive edge to them this season. This is a thing for me to remember about Coventry is, is you know, we talk about the top three, top four, uh, generally speaking, you, without wanting to sound biased, generally speaking, you're talking Sheffield, Cardiff, Belfast, Nottingham, if you're talking your top four. Um, <clears throat> and if we cast our minds back, it wasn't really that long ago since Coventry were really in that mix. And they, they, they obviously started to kind of come back into that a little bit, um, not necessarily in the league, but kind of in playoffs and that side of things. And in fairness, this team very, very much looks like a team that could compete and could compete for any trophy at the moment. Uh, they're a very kind of old school team, like, like like Andy said, in terms of the, the physicality, the toughness that they bring. They'll stick up for each other. Um, you know, they laid a body in. Yesterday's game, perfect example. I mean, there were there were so many players coming off beaten and bruised, and, you know, worn down. And, and that, to me, is exactly what they did to the Steelers team that played them yesterday. We were the better team for the first, maybe, well, at least the first period, maybe the first half of the game. And, you know, what they did, they, they stepped the physicality up. They wore us down. They drew us into some penalties. They're smart. They know what they need to do. Danny Stewart's a good coach. We know that. We know that he knows what he's doing by now. Um, and then on top of that, like we said, for me, um, and I don't know what you guys think, but for me, CJ Mott's the best goalie in the league right now. Um, and that's that's one of the key things. And you, stats may say that other goalies might be just about there. He's got a 90.16 save percentage in the Challenge Cup. And then if we flick that over to the Elite League, he's currently on 92.86. Um, so absolutely smashing it there. Uh, you guys have already mentioned the likes of Ferrara, the likes of Clements, the likes of Venus, just to mention the Brits. Um, we know Larkinen's up there. Curran's playing well from at the moment. You know, to me... Kind of, I, I agree. They, they could break into that top three. They could break into a trophy. Don't be surprised to see him lift some silverware this year. I just wouldn't put money on what it is at the moment. I'm not. I'm not sure what I would have them down for. I'd certainly have them down for a playoff contender. They're certainly a team that can win two quarterfinals, a semi, and a final. They've got that elements about them that can win four games to win a series type thing. And I'm with you, Joe. I think CJ is the best goalie in the league. Um, we've got some good goalies, don't get me wrong, um, in and around the league. But for me, CJ Mott is, you know, given that he played, it was five, six, six to eight games in the AHL last year, 
Um, okay, we're the lot, you know, if they're locked down, but <clears throat> that's the level of uh, play CJ Mott is at. And we all said before the season was cancelled that had the season not been cancelled, we all saw Coventry winning the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you with that type of thought of they could break into a position they used to be in, in fairness, you know, 10 years ago when Calder and Carlson was destroying all teams. So, who knows? You know what I mean? They were one of those teams that were up there. And when I say up there, I mean, they were one of the teams to beat. I remember sitting there and, and having Coventry as one of the teams to beat. And it's taken them a while to get themselves back there. And I think they've gone through a few difficulties in terms of attendances going down. I don't know if they were had some financial issues at one point in the road. But, you know, they've built themselves up to a team that, that are a tough one to play now. Very tough one to play. And in fairness, it's old school hockey. As much as like the fan base in Sheffield yesterday would have complained, and there were some, there were some bad hits. I mean, the spear to the crotch of, of Connolly was a particular highlight of cheap shots. You know, they were coming from both teams by the end. But in terms of the physicality, I like what he needed to do. The amount of stick work, I thought it was a fencing game from both sides. Yeah. It, it didn't highlight the best of the, the elite league officials, and that's by no means saying that that influenced the result because it was from both sides. But yesterday showed the second period in particular showed what bad game management can lead to because that was getting close to being an all-out bench brawl. Mm. The fact that you saw Jono have a fight. No, he didn't. Well, you saw Jono get up, and the linesman get far too involved. <laughs> I think the three of us were all going mental on the back row of two one nine. Just and then it was like Jonathan Phillips. No, I think all three of us. The other guy, the other guy, I think the other guy was his second fight in however many years he's played as well. So you had probably a combination of five fights, five six fights between the pair of them. So it's certainly in a heavyweight battle. Any stretch of the imagination, but uh, yeah, yeah, certainly would have been an interesting matchup. Um, has anybody got anything else to add on Coventry? I feel like Dan Stewart's probably not as much of a mention as he should. We know that he's been doing a good job. You know, he's, he's been there for a while now. He knows what he's doing. Um, wasn't quite as composed as we've seen him in, in, in past games yesterday. <laughs> he was kind of losing it for a bit. But, you know, we've seen, and I, I'll, we'll allude to, I'll, I'll avoid saying what team it is, but we've seen teams that can sign good good teams on paper and then not get them to play um, and you know Danny Stewart's the final piece of the puzzle for Coventry this year by the looks because he's doing a good job um, Manchester well, he's just going to just throw it straight over to Gref I mean I was going to let you take the floor but okay from well start of the season we just looked God awful. I mean, it took us till the 16th of October to get a win. So, but then, since that loss in Fife, they they've literally no idea what they've done. But it's like there's been a, a firecracker lit, and they've all actually started playing good hockey. We got beat by Cardiff on Sunday. Well, that actually 
even though we lost, it was a really good game to watch. Mac kept Cardiff in the game a lot. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, if we can keep up this season, then yeah, I we should possibly get in the playoffs. Person that's standing out at the moment for me the most, and Dave, you've already mentioned him once already, Finley Ulrich. He's to make up to well to make me and Dave feel old and probably some of us. He was born in two thousand. I literally started high school in two thousand. He's just doing great. I mean, he's getting top end minutes at the moment. He's he was playing third line and then by the end of the game he was playing first. Ten games, including Challenge Cup, he's got four points. From a young Brit, that's very decent. Uh, I'd probably go with one more player. I won't say Ginner. It's Ben Wilson. He's been absolutely outstanding for us. Even in the times when we were playing horribly all over. So I'm looking forward to this season going ahead as long as we stick to how we're playing now and not go back a month ago. I'll ask a couple of questions. Um, Ulrich, can you see, as a, as a Manchester fan, can you see him becoming kind of the next Kieran Long in the aspect of moving on to, because you mentioned you're moving from third to the first line, and if he stays there, having that capacity to, to be the, to get the points on the first line, getting power play minutes, etc., etc., being that next person on off the treadmill, as it were? I definitely could see it happening. Along with the the right training, the coaching and stuff, yeah, I think he will. The fact that he's getting the chance in Manchester, I reckon years down the line, he's going to be probably getting the chance, hopefully, for, say, you guys or even in Europe, if he carries on the way he's playing and gets the he gets the actual training down correctly, puts the effort in. And is it is it his first full season at Storm apart from the Elite Series? Have I got that right? It's his second. He played for forty three games in the nineteen twenty season. Got oh, cancelled, right? Okay. Yeah. He had three goals and one assist, and then went and played for GB. And we are not a development development league, apparently. Yep, he played in the NIHL North Cup. That was during the COVID times. Ten points in six games for the Blackburn. I mean, it's great to hear another Brit player kind of making it, you know, swapping hats a little bit with the GB cap on. You want to see more names coming through. You know, we've seen Clements. Venus, although he's been before, he's getting his form back into things. Ferrara's looking like he's if he can carry on the way he is doing it, because memory says, right, he was the top point scorer of the season that were cancelled, or goal scorer. It was either goals or points. I can't remember which one it were, but he was the top person. So he's looking to set the mantle of the go-to guy for GB. Um, and you want to see more players go through. You've seen Clements. You've seen um, Tetlow and Betteridge in Nottingham. 
really stepping up. And there's a couple of British guys in Dundee who are, who are doing bits for them. So you want to see these new names come through and Ulrich starting as he has done. I think from a Manchester perspective, and also GB is going to be very good for both. For me, watching Manchester, and I've only watched them in the the dog rough part of the season. We'll, we'll use rough as a as a description. Um, and like I was just like, yeah, can't see anything. Can't see him doing anything at all. Bottom of the season and all that. Now you've got your stringing results together. And that's the main thing, you know, by hook and by crook, get the results in. Uh, we'll, we'll skip over the 8-0 loss in five for a second. Um, but I'd say that was the turning point. <laughs> it looks like it is being in fairness. After you got your first win the night before. But you've got the netminder who you know can steal you a game or two. And, you, that's, you know, if you're not going to get the guy who's going to win your league, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully to Manchester, get a guy who's going to steal your games and give you chances. And you have that with Virgin. Um you have got the guys. Critchlow was doing well in the season that was cancelled. Brady looks like he started well. Um, if by some manner that your bench can keep uh, Spring on a leash and not get thrown out and put your guys really on the back burner, you could end up being 8th, 7th, 6th and making the playoffs and carry on getting results and maybe even getting a few scalps off the top four and actually being a team that could determine who you know who, who could go and win the league so as much as we give you grief we can week out for Manchester and I think I speak for everyone we enjoy doing that but for you as everything else it's good that your guys are actually getting some results and getting some wins because there's no worse than a team and I've spoken and I say it's not disrespectful to these teams and mentioned I've spoken to friends in Fife Dundee um Coventry when they've just been on all for runs and it's just no fun. So I suppose for your guys, I'm, I'm happy that you're getting some good results and that Belfast one, yeah, turned a few heads. So if that Manchester carries on, could be um, all good for the uh, the boys in Aldringham. Yeah, it's a very typical Manchester team, and uh, you know I, I don't mean that in the worst possible way, but. Uh, Again, just like Coventry this season, they're a team that are in your face, that uh, that loves battle no matter what. Um, and, yeah, just some great great players in the roster again. Uh, ben Soldier, I, I think, performed really well. I think he played in the in the Elite Series for a few games and uh, really liked his, his defensive game, really strong. Um, so, yeah, great to watch him. Uh, a few others, like... Watching his uh, Tyson Fawcett, you know, he's probably one of the uh, smallest guys on the team, but he's, he's got a massive heart for Manchester and uh, plays with his heart in his sleeve. And and he's always stuck in. He's always there, always in your face. Uh, he'll look for those rebound goals. He'll, he'll screen the goalie. Just a, a, a great all-around player. It's great to see him back. Uh, Curtis Hamilton, who played for Belfast uh, last year. A very good addition to this side. Um, already uh, showing what he can do. So very impressive so far. Uh, and finally, um, just to mention the Finley, Finley Ulrich again, because he's, he's had a fantastic season. Um, it, it's himself and a few of us around the league that are really showing, you know, uh, what these Brits can do. You know, and even though we've been told countless times we're not a development league, well, 
it's players like Finley Ulrich that are just showing us, you know, this is what I can do. Give the rest of us a chance and we'll step up. Step up. Uh, yeah, just a, I, I know the roster that's really good. Uh, so I can see them competing again this year. They may not be uh, in the top three, but we'll definitely be there, there thereabouts. And I could see could probably win a, win a cup, whether that be um, the Challenge Cup or the playoffs. So I'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, you know what you're going to get with a, with a Manchester team. You know they're going to build a team that are best within their own four walls. They're going to be they're going to build a team that can play in all. We know it's not a nice place to play. It's nice and compact, small ice, and they're going to be, bring a team that's going to be hard nosed that are going to bring the physicality. And that's exactly what they've done again. Uh, now, other than the fact that they probably have the most famous player in the league for the fact that Dops can't tweet without Lyndon Springer's name being mentioned in, in the responses. Um, yeah, I mean, Springer does a job for a start. I mean, let's let's start with him as one of the most talked about guys. He does a job. He brings the physicality. When he's playing, he, he does play. He contributes points-wise. He contributes to the goals and the assists. Um, I mean, Brol, I'm not going to lie, has a penalty minute sheet at the moment that makes Springer's look like child's play. No pun intended for the later mentioned uh, Manchester shirts that we'll bring to light. But, yeah, they make... Um, Genuinely, they make. I mean, Brawl's penalty minutes are up in the hundreds. Springers are in the fifties at the moment, or sixties, I think. So, you know, David Clements nearly has as many penalty minutes as as, uh, as Springer right now. So, you know, it's it's not all it's not all about that, you know. And, and Springer does his job. Okay, there might have been some cheap shots. We talked about it before in that in the Sheffield game where he threw in the hip check that got him kicked out of the game. At the same time, next next week, Greff's messaging saying Springer's been thrown out again, and it turns out this time it's because someone's been cheap shot and he's jumped in. That's his job. Make no make no mistakes about it. Springer's brought him for one job, and that's to stick up for his team, throw his body around, win those games like Coventry did against Sheffield yesterday. Win those games that you you're potentially losing, that you're potentially not in by bringing a physicality and putting the other team off their game. And that's this is the kind of team that Manchester are. Um, now, we all had a bit of a giggle about the fact that Manchester put out that statement. They put out a statement saying, basically, we're not good enough and we need to get better. And we know that. Uh, and in fairness, at that point, the, the league record wasn't that poor. Uh, I think it was pretty much a knee-jerk reaction to the result that they got against Fife and then next minute they'd release this statement and, and in a sense fair play to them for doing that and trying to appease the fans but when you actually look at the schedules that they've played we'll start with the Challenge Cup it's not been great 8-3 loss against Sheffield 5-3 loss against Sheffield 7-3 loss against Nottingham 3-1 loss against Nottingham so currently they're 0-4 you know I, I, as far as that goes as far as I can see someone correct me if I'm wrong they are pretty much out of the Challenge Cup. If you look at the standings in that group, Steelers are on seven points, Nottingham are on seven points, Storm are on zero points. They've got four games left. That puts their potential at eight points. Nottingham and Sheffield play to the twice. So that means that automatically Nottingham or Sheffield have to go above seven. They're pretty much out, I would say. Well, if Sheffield win in regulation Friday, because that's a Challenge yeah. Cup game, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. That would knock that, that That instantly knocks them out. If I was Manchester, I'd be putting more focus on the league. And I, I don't know that's a given at this stage. But at this point, they're in a good position where they can go, look. And in fairness, they're never really a team that have contested that strongly in the Challenge Cup. Not in recent years anyway. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's unfair to say. They can now focus on the league team. They've put out this statement. They know what they need to do. 
and they've already got one shock result in the league. Um, th- their results aren't even that bad in the games they've lost. 3-0 loss against Guildford. We've talked about how strong a team Guildford are, and it was away in Guildford as well. Then they win 5-0 against Fife. Then they lose 8-0 against Fife. You know, the next minute they're 6-2 winning Dundee, and then they're winning Belfast 3-0. Then they lose to Cardiff 3-0. It's, it, it almost seems to be an all-or-nothing team at times. But they are a team that can grind out those results. They might not be a team that are going to win the league. They are a team that could cost a team a league. And that's the thing that you cannot... And in fact, you can say the same about a lot of teams in the league this year, that you can't underestimate a single team in this league. And Manchester are, are absolutely in that boat. They are a team that could easily lose any team in this league a chance at winning the league if you underestimate them, particularly when you're going into Alfred Gym on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever it is, you go in there with expectations that it's going to be a walkover. You're going to come away with a couple of injuries more than likely, and you're probably going to come away without the points. So I think they're a strong team, uh, stronger than we gave them credit for. I certainly think they can contest for playoffs, which isn't something I expected to be saying. Um, Probably wouldn't have said that if we'd have talked about this last week. And we did. I did say last week we were leaving Manchester for a week to see if they bounced back from the club statement. Um, no, they might not have bounced back fully from the uh, from the club statement because obviously then they get the 3-0 loss against Cardiff. But um, yeah, it's uh, a good team. And that's, that's the thing, as I say, not to be underestimated. Uh, are they going to win silverware? No, not in my opinion this year. But... Are they going to do the job that they want to do? More than likely. Are they going to give their fans entertaining hockey? I think you could probably bet on that. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned... Sorry, gents. I, I, I've completely drawn a blank here. Have we actually mentioned the fact that they've signed a new player today? We haven't. We haven't. So, they have officially signed um, Taylor Thompson. Um, was announced earlier today. Correct, yeah. Thank you. Um Hasn't played so far this season. Played last year in the Sask EHL. Never heard of that league before. Uh, Bred and Bree Cougars. Uh, he's played some games for the Orlando Solar Bears the year before and for Pirati Chomutov in the Czech Second League. Um, most importantly, as Gref and I found before Dave and Andy joined the call, uh, he's played for Fayetteville Fire Ants, and that is Ants spelt with a Z. Um, they're a team in the SPHL. And if you haven't ever seen the logo for the uh, for the Fire Ants, you have to go and look at their logo because it's one of the best hockey team logos I've ever seen. Um, Stat-wise, not the strongest player. Not played in a number of, of good leagues. I mean, he's played three seasons, 124 games in the ECHL. It's probably the most relatable league. He's got a 0.34 points per game. 143 penalty minutes, though, which I've only just noticed. And... Uh, He's not a big guy, six foot one, but he's quite, he's quite small. I think he's, I think he's, according to Elite Prospects, he's eighty-two kilos. He's quite small for a six foot one guy. Um, so, yeah, I know what you guys think too. Uh, he's coming in as a replacement for Frankie Melton, who got another offer back home and said, "Yeah, I can't come." Which, in the times that we're in. Fair play. And stat-wise, it doesn't leave much to the imagination of is he going to be a, like a, a diamond in the rough or is he going to be 
just another player, another buddy. I think I know he's in the UK now, but I don't think he's actually playing tomorrow. I think he'll be doing. He'll be doing something. He'll be probably be at the rink, but I don't think he'll be playing. Although, if he does, fair play to him, considering he's not long been in the UK. I'm sure I read that he is playing tomorrow. I mean, fair play if he if he does. I know he'll probably get up and go in for warm ups, but playing wise, who knows? If we're saying that the the, that the Challenge Cups are kind of a write off for them, though, in fairness, like might not be a bad first game to put him in for. Particularly if you guys are short benched anyway, which you are, like put him in in the roster, even if he plays a shift, like it's not not going to be a great detriment to him, is it? If he kits up, you, you guys aren't going to lose out on a slot or anything like that. As far as I'm aware, you guys haven't got players at the sideline. Correct. Now, I'm regretting the aspect of trying to look at his stats earlier on, and it's one of them diamond in the rough or another import that's come over. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't read much into it into his stats, but no, who knows? I mean, we've seen imports with worse CVs done very well in the Elite League, so um, who knows? Wait to see type thing. Um, again, looking at his stats, he's, he's not uh, flashy in terms of, of what he's done uh, so far in his career, but um, the ACHL is, is it's not a league you know, to, to, to pass that. It, it's, it's a decent league. Um, it's got some decent points as well. So um, don't really know until we um, see his first game. But it lo- looks like he has had quite a long time off and played since last season. And then at a stretch, that was only uh, two games. So it uh, could take a while for him to, to get back into things. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how he does. Um, not a whole lot you can really say on him because of that. We'll have to wait and see how he does, and maybe he'll be one of our surprise players uh, who can set the other guys up, who, who can get in those dirty areas. Uh, not necessarily a points-per-game guy, but, you know, just that person who, who grinds things out and uh, something maybe Manchester missing at the minute. Just someone to get in those dirty areas, so maybe it, it could be a pretty good fit for them. Sometimes it's the player that doesn't have the standout stats that surprises you. I mean, we've seen it many, many a time. I'd, I'd, I'd say this just from a Sheffield fan's perspective. The first, one of the first players from recent times that springs to my mind was Andreas Valdix. When he first came to Sheffield, his stats were very, very underwhelming. And within a few games, he knew he was going to be something in Sheffield. I'd say the same about. Um, Latal this year, again as a Steelers fan, his stats were really underwhelming and now for me he's absolutely our MVP. So, as I said, you don't have to have the best stats to perform well in this league if you've got the right lines, you've got the right coaching, you've got the right mentality. Um, could be a good move for Manchester. And frankly, in fairness for you guys, it's, it's important to have that empty slot on your roster. It's big just to be able to play more lines, play more players and, and not have battered bodies, particularly with a physical game that you guys like to play. You can't be having like spots on your roster empty. 
certainly. Um, we got anything else to add on Manchester, gents? We get to the fun bit next. No, right, we'll get to the fun bit. Uh, we talked about the uh, well, I um, alluded to the fact that the Guildford Coventry game on Sunday night was an interesting one, an eventful one. Uh, Dops had some some work to do, shall we say? Might be a bit of an understatement. Um, I think, in fairness, I'll probably just read the header of this and then I'll break down how we're going to do it because I think it sums up exactly the way that they had to do it. Multiple suspensions following Challenge Cup end of game incidents. Um, I mean, if ever you needed a more ambiguous header to say lots of stuff happened at the end of the game, it's pretty much uh, pretty much it. What we'll do with this, because there were a number of players involved, we'll break it down with each player so we can discuss each band. Because I think, in fairness, there's some bits that they probably got right, there's some bits they probably got wrong. I suspect we might be forming an opinion on the latter, but we'll we'll see as we go along. Uh, so we'll break it down. The first player involved uh, was Kevin Linskoog. Um, I'll give the breakdown of what happened and then we'll throw it out. So essentially he celebrated after killing, I believe it was a six on three penalty kill uh, for a minute or so, I think, at the end of the game. They killed it. Uh, it ended with him making a save. And uh, as the whistle went, he jumped up and celebrated, uh, at which point a Coventry player whose name has just escaped me, Halbert, cross-checked him. Um, that's what started the whole thing. Lin Skoog has been fined. I'll read the Dops thing and then you guys can go from there. They said, while the celebration is part of his normal game, what is not acceptable is to deliberately do this in front of multiple opposition players. After his initial celebration, he moves away from his crease and intentionally continues his celebration in front of multiple different opposition players in different locations on the ice. This is both incitement and disrespectful towards the opposition players at the end of a tense and tightly contested hockey game. Linskoog has been fined for his multiple disrespectful actions deemed as incitement. So over to you guys. So, a goalie who is under pressure keeps his team in the game. They've won 2 1. It's a one goal game. Defends a six on three penalty kill, like Joe said. And he's not allowed to celebrate because if you look at the video, the cross check is almost immediate. I'd not seen it um, until earlier on. And my thoughts were, I, I stand, what I'm going to say was what I thought of, but I thought that the, it could have caused, my may have said something. But the time in which he celebrated to the cross-check, I can fill it out. What rubbish for the Elite League. I'm going to be blunt here. Any goalie who's done what he did in winning the game in that manner, you're going to celebrate. Also, if any goalie then gets cross-checked, are you telling me that he's not going to go and uh, milk it a bit more? Yeah, he's going to do that, and damn right he should do. Screw this politeness or whatever they said, incitement. If you're going to get cross-checked, which what's last happened, and it was a pathetic cross-check as well, um, <laughs> it's going to happen. You, you, the goal is going to, you know what, fine. If that's what you want to do, I'm going to enjoy it. I've won on your territory, I've won a game of hockey, and I'm going to milk it. Okay. So I I just think they've they've just dropped the ball on that one for me. Um yeah. See where I can see why Linskoog would celebrate because obviously all of us would celebrate, especially yourself as a goaler, if you've just done that for your team and 
you guys have just won the game. And then it's like, okay. Swinging it onto the other foot, it's like, someone does that right into my face, then I'm going to be like, move, what are you doing? Move. Because it's like, it's your own barn. So you don't want to be shown, shown up, basically. But it's like, come on now, we've seen fair worse celebrations over the years by goalies and they've just not been touched I'm pretty sure there was an Edinburgh goalie that just sat on the top of his net at one point yeah (laughs) I've just watched it again just just into he's literally got up arms up and we're talking one motion he's Mm. got up celebrated bang cross check so it's not like he's moved that much out of his crease I think he's, he's either on the edge or just out of his crease so, I think the, the cross check part, I think that should have happened if it was going to happen after he's already gone through the crease, gone through the players, and gone to another player to celebrate at him. Like, then you would definitely have go, well, what, what, you just come right to me, gone through everyone. Get, get, get away. It's, but to, yeah, to find him for actually celebrating. Nah, that's I don't I don't agree with that that itself. Say disrespectful to going around every every player and then celebrate it, then yeah, okay, disrespectful, but the start of it, not a chance. The game's and it runs on emotions, so what do you expect is gonna happen? The the fan itself is just ridiculous. I don't understand it whatsoever. It's not as if he's done any any harm to anyone. It's it's not as if he's really shouted abuse to anyone. It's just celebrating. And the fact that he got cross-checked, I think that's exactly what he was looking for. He thinks, oh, well, maybe I can get some fines or um, some suspensions for players. I'll, I'll, I'll do it to the next person and see if I get the same reaction out of them. And I, and I think that's why that's why he does it. Not only because you know, well, he's going to do it in the first place, isn't, isn't he? Really, when you defend and keep a team in a in the game after a six on three kill for a minute and a bit, and then make an incredible save. I, I don't even know how he saved that, but what a save that was! So I think anyone in that, in that sort of frame of mind, knowing that they pulled that off, is going to celebrate. And the fact that the players reacted to it is what he wanted. So he thinks, oh, I'm going to do it to another guy, see if they do it, and basically. He has, he has done that. He's got the reaction he was looking for, apart from obviously the fine, which was stupid in itself. And I don't think he was really expecting that because it was it's a very petty thing to be fined for. But fair play to him. You know, if it was us on, on back bench and that was in Sheffield, I think we'd be stood up applauding and celebrating with him because that save, especially that kill as well, just incredible. It's not it's not often you see goals be able to pull that off as well either. So fair play to him and. He got exactly what he wanted, so yeah, well played. But this the uh, fine ridiculous. To me, I mean, you might even say that this is an utterly shambolic show from uh, from Dops. Uh, I just can't, I just can't even comprehend. I mean, when have we ever heard fining for celebrations? It's just utterly ridiculous. It's almost like Dops have just gone, right, we need to do something, because obviously that's what started it. 
it's almost they've even said even their own words the initial celebration was part of his normal game you take out the Coventry players he's doing the exact same thing does he then skate round the ice probably not does the start of him skating round the ice actually to me looks like he's going over to a few of his own players and fist bumping his own players maybe okay he says something to the Coventry player at the same time but if you take Coventry out of that equation if it's just Guildford in their zone at that point they're going to celebrate you see a player score a goal close in on the goalie. The first thing they do, arms up, celebrate. It's exactly the same as what he did at the end of that play. So why is that any different for a player to celebrate a goal, bang in front of the goalie, as a goalie celebrating getting his team a win after a six-on-three penalty? I believe we've lost Joe here. Nothing worse than losing so on mid-flow. We could argue that. Say again. You Quick. repeat. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say it came up on my screen saying connection lost then. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try that again. But you could, to me, you could argue if there was more time in the game, you, 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 there was an argument there for a two-minute unsportsmanlike. I could see that. Uh, a push. A fine. Ridiculous. And the, the, the other thing that really winds me up about this is that it's the phrase they deemed it as incitement. Well, they've already said that his initial celebration was part of his normal game. They've already essentially said there's nothing wrong with that first celebration. Does he then go around the rest of the ice because of the reaction from Coventry? Absolutely. But does that not mean that the cross-check from Halbert was actually the thing that incited the whole incident? Because up until that cross-check from Halbert, everything else was part of a normal game. So if anything, the incitement came from what was what was quite frankly a player who was just annoyed that they'd lost the game at home and dealt with it like an absolute child rather than just going, he's won and he celebrated, I'll skate away. Fair enough. If he'd have come in his face, I'd have understood that. I've reacted to that myself on the hockey ring. <laughs> um But he's he's not even gone up to him, he's not even gone in his face. He's literally just He's just celebrated. I just, I, yeah. And I think you make a, a great point is in terms of it starts with the cross check from Helmet. And if we're talking about the net minding sighting, why is he not on? The, I've just checked it again. Why is he not on the list for fans? Yeah, it's written down to discuss this. This is just one of the things that yeah. the reason that I said general dops at the end of the, all the discussions for that reason. On that one. On that one, although they screwed up big time. If you wanted to pay for the Christmas party, fine, fair play. You know, flog some 50-50 tickets. Don't screw up and just, oh, we've got to, so we don't offend anybody. You know, we've got to have blame on both sides. No, do it right. And they, for me, they haven't on that one. They've really dropped the ball. Or other words that we can't use on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's that That was the other thing for me. I will throw that in now. So I was, if, if it wasn't mentioned, it was what I was going to mention at the end after the rest of the, 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 the discussions with Dops. How on earth, and I don't, Andy and Gref, I don't, I don't know if you agree that. I know Dave just said it. How on earth Halbert comes away without anything? And I get the fact that it wasn't a huge cross check or anything, but it started the whole thing. <laughs> like, if you're going to give Lin Skoog something for celebrating, surely the cross check. You don't cross check the goalie. You know what's going to happen when you cross check that goalie. It's not like he's gone and cross-checked a guy in the middle of play. Like, fair enough, two-minute penalty job done. You don't cross-check the goalie. You don't touch the goalie. First rule. Golden rule. 
That's what doesn't make sense to me, that how the whole thing out oh he just walked away, that was absolutely nothing is is baffling, to be honest with you. He's laughing. That's this. We're going to move on to the next one, which is for me equally in a sense as baffling in terms of their description. Um, Jake Bolton. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing because, quite frankly, once we get to David Broll, uh, that'll take us three days to read through the whole thing. Uh, I'll give a rundown. So, in reaction to Halbert cross-checking the goalie, naturally, as any player would that saw the incident, Jake Bolton's the first at the scene to do something about it. He, he basically directs both gloves towards Halbert's face. A decent amount of force. Um, he's now been given a two-match ban and it's been deemed as cross-checking. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to you guys before I talk about this one. I think had the stick not been in the hands, because it's the co- there was a contact to the head, I don't think there would have been a ban. I think with the way the game's moving, any I want to say contact, I'm not about generic cross-checking. This wasn't a traditional cross-check. Um, for me, it was more of a Superman punch. Um, but with his stick still in the hand, it kind of leans into that area of of the dangerous player that the league has done well. We'll give him some credit in terms of eliminating that kind of play out of, of, of you know, you don't want to see it week in, week out. So I think there's a bit of unluck on Bolton's part. Um, I don't think it's a cross check. I think it's a punch. But the stick still in the hand, it, you kind of open the door to that definition being given. So I don't, I don't agree with the description that I come to some why. Yeah, I I'd, I'd say that it's more of a punch than than anything else. He's turned round, looked over at his goaler, and saw him getting a cross check, and he's going to overcome it as if to say WTF. Here's my handbags. But then, sticking the in his gloves as well, it's like, uh, close enough. I can see why they do it. And also, I'm so glad, Joe, that you actually said Bolton and not Parola. Because <laughs> I was we'd have to say 9 9. Noise. Toy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have pretty much just said the fine was fair enough just for actually aiming at the head. The suspension part, I wouldn't say too much, but there's a lot of things in that in that whole incident that we're like shaking our heads at. Yeah, I've, I think the logic of having his stick in the hands while he's... Uh, making that sort of move is, you know, uh, pretty logical. You know, especially when, when you sometimes see sticks still being used as, as, as weapons with butt ending and uh, cross checks to the face and all that stuff. Maybe it's, it's just more to de- deter the sort of actions happening again where you've got a stick in the hands that's so, you know, that, that you're waving it or you, you're using that motion so close to a player's face. I think it is just to, uh, you know, to stop that from becoming in it an issue in terms of hitting with the stick and uh, to the face in, in that situation. So maybe that's just 
what that is. But apart from that, you know, uh, like Gress said, fine, we've been fine for me. Uh, but that's the only sort of logic I can really use on that one. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just, just a strange one of them. That. See, the, th- the thing for me, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I have no issues with a van. I, I'd have probably said personally that I'd have given it one. I wouldn't have given it two. I have no issues with Aban. What I think for a start they've dropped the ball on here is they've defined it as a cross-check, which, and I agree in terms of they're wanting to deter the use of the stick, which in fairness, I wouldn't even go as far as saying as use as the stick, but if they're trying to say whatever he was going to do, he should have done without his stick in his hand. Fair enough. You look at the actual IIHF rulebook, and I looked at this because I did my proper prep this week. Um, it actually def- it defines a cross-check specifically. I know, I know. Thank you, boys. Cheers. Um, yeah, I um, I, you know, the worst thing about it is when you listen to that, no one's going to see you guys clapping, so it just looks like I'm being a bit of a dick. But um, anyway, uh, only fifty-seven six episodes, but you know, better late than never. Yeah. True, true. Um, the, the rule book defines it as the act of using the shaft of the stick between the two hands to forcefully check an opponent. He doesn't use the stick. The stick's in his hand, closed hand. Doesn't even use the butt end. He uses the front of his fist. If anything, it's roughing. You could give it an aggressor. You could give it excessive roughness. Just call it something that isn't cross-checking. Playing a bit of innuendo bingo there again. <laughs> um, I've got four yeah. numbers so far. <laughs> but that's where they... Um, that's the firstly where they drop the ball for me. The too-much ban, I think, is a bit excessive. Then we go on to the rest of the explanation. Um, made well, I mean, we, we've already said cross check. Made an illegal cross check action directed at Halbert. Halbert had no way of protecting himself. That is utter trash. Halbert cross checks the goalie. Should expect someone to retaliate to the fact he's just touched the goalie. He then looks to his left from the video that I've watched. Looks to his left directly at Bolton. Knows he's coming in. Isn't tied up. Doesn't have anybody else near him. Can clearly get his hands up to protect himself if he wants to. So why the hell that's being defined as having no way of protecting himself, I have zero idea. Because quite frankly, for a start, as I said already, he should have expected it anyway. Um, I just, I just can't, I just can't see any logic behind this. This to me looks as if they've gone. Okay, we're going to annoy some Coventry fans with with the way that we're going to give these bands out. So let's give him two just so we can kind of make it look a bit more even. That's that's genuinely the most logic I can come out with with that. Granted, he should have done it better. Granted, he should have probably got hold of him and said, you and me are going now and fought him and done it properly. But when you see your guy touch your goalie, the first thing you think is he's paying for that. Simple as that. Anything else to add on Bolton? I'm with you on that one. I'm just, I'm just looking at it again. He had the time. He had the time to look round. Aware of, I mean, like like already been said, classic. I know that it's not in the rule book, and I appreciate what I'm going to say because against where the game's going to, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but there's certain traditions in the game of hockey, like in any sport, if you do X, Y, something will happen. Now, it's not in the WHF rule book, if it was, there would be a gong show, but like you said, if you touch the goal, if you cross check the goal, it however weak it was a cross check you know something will happen the fact he's turned around looked at him 
before Bolton's made whatever he's done, he had time. So I'm with you on that one, Joe. I don't think that's a, in my opinion, a, a, a good definition being given. Another ball dropped by the drops, if, if I'm honest with you. It's where I come out with my one game. That's why I say I'd have given it one game. Because to me, if they're saying, I say, I, if you want to deter it by calling it a cross check, that's fine. To me, there's no dangerous use of the stick at all. If you don't want his stick to be there, that's fine. If he drops his stick, you're probably going to call it a fight. You're probably going to give him a match ban for fighting in the last two minutes. So either way, he's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't there. Call it whatever you want to try and deter the, the stick motion. To me, they should have just said it was rough in and he shouldn't have had his stick in his hand. That would have been a lot better. It would have been a lot clearer. But the, it's just for me, that's the, what they've done. They've given it a match for the cross check, and they've given it a match for the fact that he wasn't he wasn't able to protect himself. And that's why that's to me that's why it's a game. I, I, Andy and Graf, I don't know if you agree about him being able to protect himself, but I just think it's lunacy. He had a lot of time to look around and look straightly at the player, so he had plenty of time to protect himself, even to just lift his arms up, lift his stick up. He had plenty of time. I don't believe that one second. Yeah, agreed. 100%. Well, uh, if anybody's, unless anybody's got anything else to add on Bolton, we'll move on to uh, to Brawl. I think this is where it's going to get even more interesting. Um, David Brawl, this is, uh, if you want to read what happened to him, uh, take out War and Peace, because it'd probably take you as long. Uh, essentially, Brawl has come from the bench to join the altercation, elbowed Andy Miller in the head, then been escorted off the ice, come back to join in, and ended up with a four-match ban for the privilege. Um, yeah. Dops would have done it that way. That probably saved him a lot of typing. But uh, over to you, boys. What, what, do we, what do we think to this one? Because uh, maybe they, they need to get the word count in. Probably, yeah. It's like S is like it's like uni coursework, isn't it? You've got a three thousand word limit. They've got to get up there. <laughs> it's got to be something like that. But watching the video, I mean, can understand it. Brawl being the type of person he is, wanting to get involved. But it's like you've come from the bench. Whilst you're skating along, the referee is seen you and said, "Oi, don't go back." Then that's when, if you go into the referee to talk to him, fair play, but he's clearly not. Then to go around the ref, give him a little knock here and there with his elbow that's knocked his visor out, out of place. It's like, okay, that's pretty much a bad move. You don't do that. And then to, even when he's going, he, he must have gone to at least four different areas to try and start a fight where it was already kicking off anyway. And each time he was getting told to move from the officials. You're disregarding the officials then straight away. So that's just being being an idiot in a lesser sense of words. And all that was given is four games. You've touched an official several times. So that's, <laughs> yep, and the hair as well. But it's like, reading it all, obviously one game, 
for leaving the bench. Fair enough. Being the aggressor in an allocation in the final five minutes, that carries an automatic one game. So there's your two games straight away. You've given physical abuse to an official. And that's only been given two games. That's what I don't agree with. I don't agree with two games for that. I... You, want to, you want to protect your officials. It, as bad as we give them a, a name sometimes, still, without them, there's no game. I disagree with some of the comments you just made there, Griff, only on the pace of a game for leaving the bench to join an altercation. No. A lot worse has been given um, for that in previous years and including Dops um, yeah the, the one game for um, involved in a altercation after the final whistle and I just for me I, it's, it's just some of the wording in the the war and peace that was uh, put online in terms of the category three, category three offence which quote physically demeaning or threatening an official or applying force solely for the purpose of getting free of an official, which carries a tariff of up to three games. Three games? I mean, there's, for me, there's a side issue there because that's now. That's rubbish. Three games for for that category. Sorry, I don't agree with that. Like you say, we, we've mentioned many times about protecting the assets of the players. The officials are... Although they don't get on the game sheet in terms of the goals and assists and the penalties, they're as valuable. That type of tariff, no. I, I think Brawl's a lucky man, if I'm really honest. You know, four games, you could have easily seen that doubled, leaving the bench to join an altercation at the end of the game. And then, in fact, with the, uh, an official. I, I, if I'm honest, I think he's lucky. And I'll repeat myself already again. Dops struck the ball. Shambolic, yeah. I've I've got to be honest. I think, and we, if 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 I'm honest, if we do defend Dops and how they go about the business and how they describe stuff and all that, and on the whole they do a pretty good job. But so far, oh god, they're still in pre-season. Because I just no, I think how they've got how they've come to the decisions, I just don't. I think they just got it wrong, in my humble opinion. Because they could argue, well, we, we, we're restricted by tariffs and everything. Are you telling me that the league can't go? If if Dops says to the league, this is what we think, this is an offence, are we telling me that the league can't go, right, we're going to actually give more to be the deterrent that this didn't happen again? As a sportsman like misconduct, ways and means, boys, ways and means. There, yeah, again, there's, there's, again. Sorry, go on. Yeah, again, uh, one I don't agree with, but that's in the other direction. Uh, this time, it's not enough games for me. I've, like I've all said, I mean, the officials are just as important as the players on the ice. Um, without them, there won't be a game. And there needs to be a level of protection that you'd have for the players it needs to be exactly the same as it is for the players as it is for the officials. And I feel like they've been let down a little bit here. 
because it, it's been a, a long time since I've seen actually seen a player uh, physically, you know, elbow or or touch anyway and an official. So since it has been that long, you'd you'd have thought the maximum amount of game suspension that would be would be pretty high. But for that for that alone, just two games is very very strange. It 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 could easily have got eight games for me. Uh, for, for everything combined, so he is incredibly lucky to only get four out of this. Leaving the bench at the end of the game to join a fight, which which was pretty pointless anyway, because I think he tried skating in more areas and then the the Lidskog did celebrating, he skated in more areas and couldn't find anyone anyone willing to to go with him, so it was absolutely pointless and just just stupid. It, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't 100% know better than that and yeah dops again in the in their own direction here they've, they've not given enough on, on this this particular occasion compared to the, some of the things that the other players have done and, and they've got pretty hefty things for that for what, what they've done you know it just doesn't make any sense to me so again another wrong wrong amount uh, decided here <sighs> There's, there's, there's many a thing for me that they've got wrong here. Um, I mean, for a start, we'll start right from scratch. I have zero idea where this Category 3 offence up to tariff for three games. I don't know whether that's a double IHF thing. I don't know whether that's an Elite League thing. I haven't got a clue. Whoever it is, it's a moron who set that. Why the hell are we setting a limit on the number of games a player can get the physically abusing a referee. I don't care whether he's punched him square in the face or he shoved him, it's irrelevant. Why the hell is there a limit on that? That should be minimum X amount of games, not maximum, not up to three games. And the worst thing about it is, if we're going a match for leaving the bench and then a match for being the aggressor in the last two minutes, he's got two games, he's not even had the maximum for it. Granted, the contact on Miller wasn't wasn't huge. It wasn't like he elbowed him square across the face intentionally. It just looks like he tried to shove him out of the way and and he made contact as he did it. But like we like you guys already said, I mean, we we've talked about protecting the assets for the players. The officials, Andy, you summed it up perfectly. There's no game without them. And honestly, if I was an official right now, I'd be going, well, I ain't getting involved. I'd be turning around and asking why there's no protection. And as much as we slagged off the officials that got in the way when Jonathan Phillips dropped the gloves with the Coventry player yesterday, I'll also give credit to the referee that did it. Because quite frankly, Jonathan Phillips could have got hold of him, thrown him out of the way, face first into the boards, and the maximum he could get by that is three matches. Ridiculous. Um, I'm not being funny, but physically demeaning or threatening an official or applying force to the official to get out of the way could easily be ten. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Um, I agree with Dave, the leaving the bench, a match, not really enough. I, I go back to like time, I remember seeing like the, the most ridiculously worded penalty at the time, which was, I'm sure if memory serves, Sylvain Cloutier ended up with a penalty for it. I, abs- I, I, I know for certain that, um, oh, what's his name? Derek Campbell ended up getting it when he played for Hull, was the bringing the game into disrepute or something like that. What I mean, brawls just running around the ice. I, as much as I love a good, I love a good fight in a hockey game. We've all said that, boys. We've all said that there's not enough fights in the game anymore, and we understand the reason why. But we've all said we'd like to see a few more fights. 
he, he, it's just the best part for me is that Brawl actually skates around the ice, shoving his own players out of the way. At that point, we've gone past the point of hockey player trying to stick up for his team, and we've got to knuckle knuckle dragging Neanderthal that's running around going, "Oh, me hockey player, me need to hurt people." Like, what, what, what on earth is going on? He's grabbing about four players and pulling them around, trying to trying to make them fight. This has all come off the back that one of like the goalie celebrated and one of their guys has cross checked him. It's, it's the most ridiculous overreaction, and I think he's to say he's a lucky boy to get four matches is is an understatement. It's it's again absolutely shambles that he's only got four matches for that. Didn't I, Dennis Wideman get twenty games for touching an official? Yeah, and that was reduced for the fact that they accepted he he got concussion. So I think he had a bad hit and he was concussed from the hit or something. And his argument was he wasn't thinking straight because he was concussed. And he still got 20 matches for it. You imagine the NHL trying to enforce at that point while he was getting out of the way of the official and he's uh, that's a maximum three games. I can't even get my head around that. Up to three games. Madness. Um... I, I, I fairness, boys, I don't really think there's anything else that we could say about this. It's just, just utterly ridiculous. I mean, we've not even really mentioned about the fact that he gets told to go off the ice and then comes back in and continues the altercation. You know, for me, he's already been an aggressor by that point. If anything, he's now he now should be warranted at least another two matches for coming back on the ice. Even if, and I saw someone say that the, the officials should have escorted him off the ice. That's all fine and good when you've got well, he was the extra man on the ice. So when you've got essentially 12 guys on the ice that are about to kick off, maybe let's take CJ Mott out, which I don't think he ventured up the ice. You had you had Kevin Linskew and then the 10 skaters on there. You had 11 guys all involved in an altercation, four referees. Let's have one of the referees go and skate a guy to the, to the bench, when quite to the gate, where quite frankly him telling him, get off the ice should be enough. That in itself should be a couple of match ban for a for, ignoring the referee and rejoining the altercation. And as far as I'm concerned, that's not even addressed because he's already an aggressor by that point anyway. Dangerous precedent set here. Dangerous precedent. Um, anything else on Brawl? That's the main thing I can't get over is just him shoving his own players out of the way. That just shows... That it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's when he comes back and shoves two of them straight into the bench. I think one of them nearly goes face first into the bench. <laughs> just think, what? <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't actually wait for an answer. There. Anything else on Brawl? Seeing shaking heads. We'll go on to the next ban, which was David Clements. A bit of a weird one. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really understand this one. It seems to come from nowhere, really. Apparently, he's also been judged to have left the bench. Um it basically at one point just seems to explode with rage, drops the gloves in a really quite impressive fashion. It's not like he's just dropping the gloves. It's like one of those games where you see a guy skating 20 foot to go and fight a guy. It's like the proper like throw down with rage. Join in. Cross-check um, Linsku, significantly worse than... Um, what's his name? Halbert. Keep forgetting his name. Significantly worse than Halbert Crosscheck Linskoog. Uh, he has also ended up with a two-match ban. I believe that's one match for aggressor and one match for leaving the bench like Bro. Rinse, repeat. Apart from the touching official bit, and if you jump it off the bench to get involved, 
and, and again, I think he's he's lucky. It's two games. Here's the thing for me with that particular piece. What happens if Linda Sox responds and smacks him with a blocker? Where that incident takes place is then benches enter, and there's not a cat in else chance that the officials could do anything to stop it because they're just going to go because that's the third or fourth time that uh, Linda Sox been uh, targeted by a coverage player for after his over celebrations allegedly. Um, so be annoyed at the fact that he celebrated. Be irritated. Be more irritated that you've lost the game on home ice, as we've already mentioned. I don't understand why Clements has even got involved. I don't. Given that it's all kind of happened and it's started slowly calming down for it to just inflame again, I just, I don't get it. If you want to be irritated, Clements, you've got a hell of a shot on you. Good top shelf on him. Make him look daft. That's your retribution, and it's going to help your team. What he's done now is actually harmed his team. Um, yeah. Um, it, 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 it kind of befits, the play itself befits the decisions of it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand why he's gone off to do that. It... It's the part where they put after the initial cross check, Clarence evades the officials initially and gets involved in further altercations before being restrained. He again breaks free of the officials and starts further altercations. So he's just got away from the officials twice after being told to go away. As in minus the little incident at the start, isn't that what Brawl did as well? So surely he's pretty much getting the same sack stuff that he's done with Brawl's done. So personally, if he if that's how it they put it as that, he should then shouldn't he get the two games or three games, the max that it should be? It's I mean, as you mentioned, Joe, the the throwing of the gloves, that was pretty decent. It's one that you don't really see often. Normally, it's just one glove goes one way, one another glove goes another. That one was just straight down. It was, like, brilliant. But then, obviously, no one took him on there as a proper fight. That was, that was the other bit. It was just the complete <laughs> anti-climax. I'm going to have this big, like, drop gloves, let's go. The only thing that would have made it better is if he, like, tripped over a stick or something just after he'd done it. That would have been a di- proper, like, uh, Dion Phaneuf. <laughs> <laughs> My thinking, exactly. Yeah, again, just another one that was completely un- completely unavo- unavoidable. Can't miss the word. Um, just a game for leaving the bench again, ridiculous. That needs to be stamped out completely. It needs to be comp- it needs to be more games just for that. But it is what it is, right? <clears throat> I guess. Um, again, just unavailable. There's no need for it. Uh, stupid. That's all I can really say about it. 
Yeah, the bit that I don't understand about this is, I mean, Gref, you read the bit out about the uh, the, the initial cross-checking evading the officials over and over again. I mean, that in itself is mind, mind-blowing that he doesn't get any more matches for that. The other bit I don't understand is, to summarise, Clements was adjudged to have left the player's bench with the intention of joining or starting an altercation. This carries an automatic minimum one-game suspension. So already, for a start, why is that a minimum suspension? But the issue with the referees isn't. But we'll, we'll not open that kind of worms again. To go back to Brawls, to summarise, Brawl was assessed a minor penalty plus an automatic game misconduct as the first player leaving the player's bench, which carries an automatic minimum one-game suspension. I don't see the need to identify that one player was the first player to leave the bench if it's then going to hold the same suspension that it holds for the second, third, fourth, fifth player to leave the bench. So that in itself just shows you that there's absolutely zero idea and zero consistency going on here. Um, I, I Like you guys have already said, not enough for leaving the bench. Um, realistically for me, not enough for being an aggressor. To me, if you're going to get an aggressor penalty in the last minute and you, or two minutes or whatever, five minutes, and you're going to get an automatic game ban. You should be. It should be one ban for each incident. For each incident, you are an aggressor for. Now, in that, like Greff's already said, initial cross-check evades officials gets involved in further altercations. Even if we take that as one, we've then got he breaks free again of the officials and starts further altercations, and is then eventually removed from the area and escorted. So, for me, the cross-check should have been one as the first aggressor. The further altercations the first time should have been two. And then the further altercations the second time should have been two. If that's how you're going to give it. You get an aggressive penalty no matter how many altercations you get in. So let's just fight the entire bench because by that point you're in for a penny and for a pound. So just, uh, yeah, it's... You guys have said there's nothing really more you can say. Is that... um, Anything else on Clements? Team shaking heads again. Uh, in fairness, I suspect the last one's not really going to be anything to say about head coach Danny Stewart has been fined and warned. Daniel Stewart, actually, very formal, has been fined and warned about the future conduct of his players, specifically regarding controlling the bench. What 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 do we make of this? The fact that they've called him Daniel. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, I. I get it, he probably could have shouted at Brawl, but then how's Brawl going to hear him when there's probably six or seven people already talking around him, including the officials? That's not going to be, it's not going to make much use. No. I mean, if a player's going to want to jump off the bench straight away, they've already, they've already got the intentions to do it, so they're going to do it. They're not going to listen to anything around them. So, for the control in the bench part, I can't see why he'd get fined for that. Unless he's previously been disciplined for not controlling his bench, I'm not sure either. But to nick a, a phrase from Andy, it is what it is. I'll jump on the same bandwagon we called Daniel. It's just as we're saying Gareth. Um, yeah, so I suppose they had to, given Coventry had more penalties, I suppose they had to, or stronger penalties, they had to also, because they all say your coach controls the bench. 
and he, by their definition, didn't. So, hey ho. Yeah, I, I don't think he did a whole lot to really uh, to brought from the bench um, or Clements from getting involved. So I think it was only fair that something was going to come his way, and uh, Fine was pretty much the fairest way to really do it. Uh, can't really say anything else on that. But <laughs> again, it is very weird. Uh, Daniel Stewart just doesn't just doesn't go well, does it? We've always known him as Danny Stewart for many years. He's been in the league, especially with, with mostly with Hull. So yeah, it's, it's very weird to hear him, to hear him say that. I didn't even read it as Daniel at first. That wasn't that wasn't me like taking the mic. I was genuinely I read it at first as Danny just because that's, that's just what everybody knows him as. <laughs> I just reread it and was like Daniel. Um, does anybody else feel like Dops is almost like a kid with a new toy? It's like oh we've got to find everybody because we've just been given the power to find people. It's just like you get a fine, know. you get a fine, you get a fine. It is. It is. <laughs> that's genuinely what they're like in a minute. I um. I don't know. Uh, in fairness, I don't. I don't object to it. Obviously, we've said so far that everything has been a bit shambolic from Dops. I don't. I wouldn't say it's shambolic. I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't say it's that bad. I don't have an issue with the fine. I'd say it's a bit harsh. It's not like he's cleared the bench. Realistically, is a coach going to have much effect on two players that have already made the decision to leave the bench and join altercations? Probably not. Um, you know, is he going to have a strong word with them afterwards? Probably did anyway. I mean, if it, most coaches, I would like to think at that point, go, right, boys, we stick up for ourselves, but that was a bit silly, weren't it? That That's what I'd be expecting. And then as a Coventry fan, that's what I'd be expecting the coach to have said to the players, because it's, quite frankly, to me, this whole incident just made Coventry look like a bunch of sore losers that, that can't take losing in their own building. That, that's basically what it's come across as. We've lost the game, so we're going to throw the toys out of the prom. Um, Stewart's, ah, I think it's a bit harsh, but if, they want to find him. They want to find him. Like, let's move on. Anything else, Adam Stewart? I suspected that would be a short one because not really much to talk about with that. Um, if there's the video, don't even think really involves him. I don't think he's in the video at all, is he? Not that I, can, I remember. <laughs> I don't think I saw him. Um, I think I said uh, Hull, didn't I? Sorry, I meant to say Fife. We got yeah. mixed up. What you said, Hull? Yeah. Yeah, Clute. I'll give you that. If I said Hall earlier for the um for the other penalty, so we'll we'll go with I confused you, mate. That's 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 fine. Thank you. I I'd not, to be honest, mate. I don't even clock that he hadn't played or coached for Hall. So <laughs> it, um, it, it feels like he should have done or has at some point when he hasn't. You know what I mean? Just he played he played for five for a bit, didn't he? So he's played yeah, the blue five, and yeah. kind of like sharing the club. Start with yeah well, yeah um. I mean, on the whole, gents, for me, Dops haven't got a single one of those right. And we've already said about Halbert not getting one. I mean, to summarise, would, would everybody kind of agree on that? I think the precedents have been set now. They've dangerously set the precedents. Um, and apparently now you can you can hit referees and your maximum game's going to be three. I just don't get it. Um, anything else to add on Dops? I mean, we draw a line under this and never come back to it again because it's just... But it, fair enough, it, it kind of it does also make the league look a bit stupid as well, doesn't it? So, draw a line under it and move on. Next topic I've got written. The one thing Ooh. I was going to say. Yep. Apologies, Joe. 
three. No, no, maybe go. it's the transaction fee. Could have been the transaction fee. You've opened the door, haven't you, Griff? That's why they you were really fined. You went there, didn't you? Oh, I'm sorry. The fines were actually just they charged each player three pound. I would. I will say this now, actually, in fairness, while we're on Dops, I fully expect to see a Dops review coming up this week. Yeah, uh, with the guy getting, with the guy spearing Connolly between the legs, that that to me is a uh, is a Dops moment. Um, if we follow suit from the NHL, it'll get fine. Joe Thornton got a, I think he got something like a fifteen hundred dollar fine for, uh, for for spearing somebody between the legs. So I suspect a fine might be on his way. I don't know what you guys think. I, Dave and Andy, you guys both catch it at the time. Yeah. What do we think? Do we think that's going to be any 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 sanctions, or do we think it's going to be another one that we don't hear about ever again? Probably a game. You reckon? I'm going to roll the dice. One game. They'll call it cross checking. <laughs> I don't think we'll hear about it. You know, nah. I'd happily see a fine. I, I, I'm not going to complain if there's a game, but I'd quite happily see a fine. But I, I, I kind of I linger towards the same as you, Andy. I don't, I don't, I don't suspect we're not going to see anything with it. But it'd be nice to see a fine. I think that that's the kind of thing that should be fine <laughs> to me, but. Uh, the next thing I've got written down, gents, unless anybody's got anything else to add on Dops, speak now, forever hold your peace. No one's saying anything, so that's fine. We'll move on. Um, the next thing I've got written down, it's not a nice topic to talk about. We'll put that heading out straight away. Um, if you're on social media, I would be baffled if you haven't heard anything about this to date. Uh, so we're not going to go around the whole of, of the incident, but basically it's regarding the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, X Black Ace for the Blackhawks, uh, who's now come out, it was initially referred to as John Doe, who's now come out as Kyle Beach, um, made allegations of sexual assault against Brad Aldrich, who was the video coach in 2010, which was the year, well, one of the years that the Blackhawks won the cup. Um, he's now filed the lawsuit. He's filed the lawsuit against the Blackhawks, I think, hasn't he, rather than against Aldrich directly, I believe, um, for their failure to act on it. And there have been a lot of incidents following that. Um, Stan Bowman who was the GM has now stepped aside from his role as GM and stepped aside from his roles within Team USA for the Olympics as well um, I believe their director of hockey operations has also been sacked or stepped aside as well is that right? There's another guy stepped for Blackhawks yeah. Aside. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean basically I, I say we're not going to go through everything the owners, Rocky Verts and Danny Verts, um, basically hired the, their own solicitors to to do an independent review and following the, the results of the review. This is this is kind of the outcome of it. That's pretty much all we're going to really say on the actual facts of the incident. Probably going to talk more about the impact. Um, yeah, if you want to read about it, Google Chicago Blackhawks. It's really not a difficult thing to find at the moment. Some very, very interesting videos. And included really quite a, as I know how to really say it, emotive and difficult to watch interview with with Kyle Beach, which is awful to watch. But uh, yeah, a lot of I think there's going to be a lot of turmoil in the NHL over the next few weeks, gents. I think that's that's basically what we're going to focus on. I think in uh, in this, I'll start with what you just said about the interview. It was it was difficult, but I think it was 
a, a very powerful interview. And what I, I said to your guys, and I'll say it here, the interviewer, I thought, did an outstanding job. He controlled the content, the context, but also the emotions. Um, like you guys watching it, it was just like just very powerful in terms of the accounts of from Kyle. And it, it was like sometimes, like, and I think Griff, you said, I had to pause a couple of times. I'm like, oh, Jesus. It's, for the thing to happen, I had to be in essence brushed under the carpet or, you know, from the reaction from Kyle. We spoke weeks ago about the UHL and the the look up to the game that the incident in that fixture gave. And you now have another incident that's going to really darken the game of hockey. And I think this one... So when I'm making the point, there's no differentiation between leagues in if X happens in one league higher and that happens in the low league it's, it's not different they're all as bad but when it comes out that something happened at the top level and even worse at the time the team was chasing the cup and won the cup I think it's going to end up having such ramifications to the game on many different levels that it's going to I think it's actually going to take a fair amount of time for the game to recover the image of the game and I know the image isn't important but here this is why I say the image you now have and without going into the details an incident that was for a player to go from the Black Aces to the Black Hawks that stigma is going to be around even 10 years after the incident was alleged that's now going to be around now it's all in the open the reports come out and I, I think the game, not just the NHL, but the game itself, every league around the world needs to look at itself and go, right, what are our practices? What are our teams doing? What are the personnel involved in each club? Where can we get better? Where can we make sure that what we're doing prevents these allegations coming up again? You don't want that. We shouldn't be, you know, the fact that it's a conversation, the fact that it's part of the, of the podcast, and it's been on many different interviews on TSN and different major networks in North America. The fact it's there, it's like, this is not what we want. In any sport, never mind the game of hockey. I just, it's a sad, it's a sad few days. Um, I hope uh, Kyle gets all the support he needs. Um, I know he's currently playing in Germany Div 3. Um, and he's able to... <sighs> I hope he can use the experience... Well, I use the word experience, but not in a nice way, because it's clearly bloody not. But I hope he can use it to, A, be able to give himself closure so he can fulfil the life he wants to live. But maybe then also, if it could be the kind of because it was something he said in it, he, he apologised for something else. And I would, and I would, I, I would just take it aback. It's like, Jesus Christ, you were not, you were not the instigator. I said, you're taking that responsibility. That's the mindset of this person who's been impacted badly by this. I hope that he can kind of take some positive, I've been able to make the positive change. 
if there are certain practices, personnel, things happening in the game, if he can use it to change that, as much as this whole thing's just a horrible, horrible thing, if that could be the light at the end of the tunnel, then at least it's it's the whole him being able to come out to tell the story to to say this has happened and this is wrong and the reports happened at least it gives something it gets something out of it that actually will make a difference in the only way the only positive way it can do you're spot on perfectly there the video of kyle speaking about it that you mentioned i had to pause it a fair few times because it was just that powerful. I think even the TSN guy at one point, you saw him wiping his eye. It's like that's how much of how much it hits you of him talking about it. I'm glad that he's actually now starting to get a bit of justice for what's actually happened. He's mentioned he posted today on Twitter saying. Is the start of good things coming. I mean, it's actually said he's, he was being that result that came out. He was happy and sad and cheerful all at the same time. It's like, because you know, it's going to be part of like a, a weight lifting off your shoulders. That's 10 years ago. I know it's coming out and um, fair play to him for coming out and saying, yeah, John Doe is actually me. Because personally, I'm not too sure if I could do that myself. And I'm not too sure about what you guys think about that either, if you could. Shows a lot of strength. It's taken far too long for any sort of action to have been taken over this. Um, surely other members of the coaching staff knew about it. You know, surely there was other people involved that uh, higher up in the organisation that really should have, you know, uh, brought this to light. Because right now it, it's far too late. It should have been, they could have saved not just Kyle, but anyone else, any, any, you know, more years of, of horrible, horrible things that must have gone through. So, um, our understanding is that, uh, Joel Quenneville, who is the coach of Florida currently, uh, he's had talks with Batman, uh, and so has, uh, Jets GM, um, Kevin Chivalday off. So hopefully something comes out of this, uh, but, it's been far too long for the for this to have come out and if it was going to be someone you know Carl Beach just it must have taken so much for him to come out and and give his accounts of it and you know just pass off to him because it must be the most difficult thing in the world to come forward about something like this but he had to do it because no one else would no other people in the organization would uh, but if anything, you know, it is it, to get a result, and that result is for hopefully no one else to have, have, to, have to go through anything like this ever again. 
Uh, it's definitely not something you'd expect to happen at all. But it's just so so sad and, and disgraceful that, that it has and it's been allowed to be dragged on for so long. Uh, my hope now is that, uh, I know there is already a players association, the NHLPA, but there needs to be one that's definitely totally independent from the, the NHL and just, you know, completely covers all North America itself because there's a lot of leagues and nobody knows whether this is happening in any other league in America or even in Europe. So there needs to be more confidentiality to be able to come forward and, um, you know, say that something's wrong. But obviously, with the player association being, being affiliated with the NHL, it sounds to me like there's been a lot of people willing to cover this up to save the name of the NHL. And again, that's absolutely wrong. So having that independent sort of association, I think, would uh, be great going forward to hopefully stop anything like this from happening again. And, you know, just again, our hearts off go to Kyle and I hope, uh, hope you know, justice is done and, and he gets some sort of closure from this. But it be so difficult to to even talk about it after all these years so you know just our definitely our definite thoughts are with him going forward for sure yeah yeah again guys we find ourselves talking about the the dark side of hockey the dark side of the sport and dave you you alluded to the the conversation a few few episodes ago about the uhl and we said then it's not something we want to talk about and it's not something that we really want to have to talk about, but it's something that needs talking about because it, it's current, it's important that, that it's, it's spoken about at any level. It can be really, like you guys have said, to make sure that it doesn't happen, to make sure that you know everything that can be done is done. Um, echo what you guys have said. You know, your, our hearts go out to, to Kyle and our, our you know credit goes to him for the strength that he's shown to be able to do what he's done. Um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to swerve it away from the actual incident itself. We don't want to, we don't want to speculate too much. The the rest of the kind of the, the facts behind it, and as Andy said, Joel Quenville obviously didn't coached for the Florida game the other day. Didn't actually go to the media afterwards, and he's having a conversation. He's having a meeting with Gary Bettman. I believe that was today, from what I read, but I'm not I'm not entirely sure. He was the coach of the Blackhawks at the time. And then, as Andy said, the GM of, of Jets, um, who I am not going to try and say his name because Andy did a beautiful job of actually pronouncing it, um, is also going to have a meeting with Bettman. I don't know what play, what what part was he for the, the Blackhawks at the time? GM, was it? GM. GM. Yeah, I think it was. Um, so they're both having meetings. The, the Blackhawks have been fined $2 million um, for their lack of action at the time. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll move on from the incident itself because we say we don't want to. We don't for start. It's not something we want to have to talk about. Um, it's not a nice thing to talk about. Secondly, it's it's still very much in, in under investigation. Unless anybody that in here has had a chance to read the 107 page report that the the, the solicitors did, um, and I think we're probably best to skirt away from that now. The the thing that I think is important that we could look at now is the impact to the sport as a whole. Um, the interview that Beach did with TSN towards the end of the interview, he alluded to the fact that the NHL wouldn't do anything because they were interested in their image. They didn't want the image of the NHL to be tainted. They didn't want the bad press and the bad PR. Um, 
and it's not the first time over the last month or so that we've heard that being said. Uh, Robin Lenner has been active on social media as well, kind of speaking more about the kind of the NHL's or NHL teams tendencies to give out drugs that they shouldn't be giving out to players. Um, I think the primary ones that he referred to are Ambien and benzodiazepines, which were given out to try and help players sleep on flights and things like that, which are obviously antidepressants, slow down your brain waves, actually prevent you from having REM sleep um, and the effects that that's had on a number of players. So as, as a whole, gents, it's, it's the NHL have got to do something now to not necessarily to give themselves a better image because realistically the image isn't isn't important at this point what's important is that the right things are being done but the nhl have got to do something now and if they don't uh it's another black mark against gary bettman's name it's another black mark against the nhl's name and and something seriously needs to change i think if they do the right thing the image will follow yeah 100%. Um, that, that's the recovery from that perspective when i say recovery it's not Oh, let's recover and just as you were. They need to they need to do the right thing. They must do better. Um they've got to make sure that all the ducks are in order to ensure that players safety off ice is as important on ice. Yeah. Um conversations I know the Winnipeg Gems was bumped up to today. It was meant to be next week, it's been bumped up on the request of the Winnipeg Jets. Um so let's see what happens there. Let's see what Bettman does. Um, and let's hope whatever he does and decides benefits the game, benefits Kyle in some form of knowing that, as we mentioned, things will be better. Policy procedures are in place to make sure things are better more than they is now. We, we just hope that that is what happens. Um for his sake alone and anybody else who's been involved in the the whole storm that's just it's horrible to even be talking about on a podcast don't really think there's anything else to touch on oh, apart from Kevin was the assistant GM at the time Stan yeah. Bowman that was the GM uh, yeah, of course he was. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Andy, any, you got anything else that you want to add or not? I just asked that. Just as you were drinking, I apologised. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, uh, I don't think there's anything else I can really say. I think, I think we've done enough for now, I think. The only, the only the thing that I'd say, boys, is we... I mean, and this comes from kind of what you said, Andy, about the need for a change in the NHLPA. I'm I'm not even remotely going to touch what um what Beecher said in his interview about the NHLPA. That's uh, again involves speculation. It's not something that we want to get into. Uh, however, if we were going to see some kind of change in the NHL Players Association and we were going to see some specific focus around making it more independent, I, I, and whether he'd want to do it is a different thing, but is someone like Kyle Beach not the perfect person to have involved in the NHL Players Association? A player with that real motivation, that drive, unfortunately, that 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 personal experience that that means he wants. I know he said that one of his goals is to make sure none of this happens again. 
he's got that that drive to make sure it doesn't happen he's not someone that's going to sit down and go okay this might affect us so let's see how let's let's think about how we do this you know his sole intention would be for the welfare of the players and that's the kind of thing that I think that they'd need to look towards to make sure that this stops happening is to put someone in like that in the NHLPA who we can definitely say has that that motivation doesn't have that connection to kind of maintaining an image As I say, it's entirely dependent on whether he'd want to do it. But if he'd want to, it wouldn't be a bad shout. Yeah, there's a uh, fair few players I think they could, you know, easily say would be great at the role. There's, there's a lot. Uh, Derek Englund being one of them, who was the ex Vegas cats and that. I think he'd be fantastic at that. You know, he's, he's got a big heart and uh, do anything for, for anyone. So, yeah, there's quite a few that would be perfect. Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Anybody got anything else they want to add on this? I mean, in terms of impact on the NHL, it's very much as we've we've said on many different factors before. It's definitely a wait and see at the moment. Um, I, for one, have got absolutely zero idea how this is going to pan out in terms of anything really. Um, but yeah, obviously just a wait and see. We got anything else that anybody wants to add on this, or are we quite happy to draw a line under it and? try to move something more positive forward in terms of what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know how to segue on to anything, you know, anything else. It's not really something that we want to go back, back onto the happy stuff, but we will do our best. Um, we've already talked about the fact that in 20 days or so, we're, uh, we'll be heading out to Ponty Cook. Uh, now seems about the right time to try and change back the domestic hockey and uh, talk about the Conti Cup. So, Dave, throw it over to you just because I believe you've got the uh, details there. I have. So, the week I just gone, as we mentioned last week's episode, it was the quarter final round. And the two teams that have gone through were Asiago of Italy and Olymp Riga from Latvia, uh, of, for the two groups that uh, qualified. So, the two groups, uh, first group in in Krakow is Kawagamba from Kazakhstan. Um, a great name. I wanted to say Kawabunga. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm just hoping the, the logo has a turtle. That will just be amazing. You know, proper Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That would be superb. Um, HK Poprad of Slovakia. Uh, I want to say that's the same team that played Sheffield a couple of years back. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, Josh Pitt's new team, I believe. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the host, Krakow, and Asiago going to that group. And then Sheffield's group. Sheffield being the highest rank of the four teams. Uh, face Gomel of Belarus, the host, Alborg, Denmark, and Olymp Riga uh, from Latvia. The top two from both groups go through to the Super Final. The hosts announced, I think, like a week and a half, two weeks after. Um, that being because the winner of the Conti Cup now goes into the CHL, whereas before you knew who was in the final ho- or hosting it already. So when Sheffield first made the uh, Conti Cup final, you knew in advance that it wasn't going to be in Grenoble. Whereas last time, um, 2018, the four teams bidded for it. Uh, Sheffield again, it was took to Minsk. Um, 
so probably I'm not even sure if we're going to either next week or the week before or week after we'll do a bit of a mini deep dive on the three teams uh, just depending on the travel arrangements of all four of us talk about it on the four hour train journey on Instagram live oh, I don't want to talk about train trains at the moment that was a <laughs> that was a nightmare Gref got the brunt of my uh, frustrations this afternoon when sorting that out but uh, yeah and as and uh, Joe even as alluded will do some Instagram live may even uh, ask a few people get some thoughts from folk on the, throughout the weekend what do you reckon Joe? I think that's a great idea I think that's a great idea um you can guarantee that there'll be a large proportion of things that will not be able to be re- repeated on the podcast once we return. Um, we'll probably give the uh, the warning now, as I can't imagine anybody's going to be in a corpus mentor state to do it at the time, that if you watch our Instagram live or anything that we put out live at the time, please do so with <laughs> the forewarning that it may not be as family-friendly as we keep these uh, these podcasts. Um but no, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun, boys. I think that's the main thing. It's the first time we've ever taken the, the podcast, and by taking the podcast on tour, I specifically mean just the four of us actually going on an away trip together abroad. But it's the first time we've taken the podcast on tour, which is quite quite an exciting. Prospect. So we've done the playoffs, um, Denmark in November, Belfast in December. Like we'll, 2024 sorry that's, that's 2024 let's get this calendar first done um yeah it's, it's good that we're getting the, the podcaster out to the masses we say masses you know three men and the dog um but yeah i mean i'm sure the other time we'll put out what we'll be doing so if you are heading out to alborg uh, and you'll say a different place then um do find us the, i was gonna say herning actually um, different part of Mark that I've been to. Um, find us and uh, get your thoughts. We'll get you live on Instagram. We'll, we'll get it all done. Maybe bust out some Instagram reels. There you go, Joe. That's a project for you. I don't do all these like new. I don't understand. I just, <laughs> Instagram reels, just like Instagram's attempt at taking over a TikTok idea. That's pretty pretty much what it is. I don't really, I don't really know. So what are they going to be like? Five bottles of Bacardi Breezer. There's got yeah, there's gonna be a lot of boomerangs involving Bacardi Breezer, I can guarantee that. Um I'm also quite looking forward to the Summersby cider. Can you remember all the different flavoured Summersby's that they sold over there? Like cranberry flavoured Summersby cider. That was gorgeous. Um and also the Scottish bar in Copenhagen. Uh while we're talking about the last time that we went to Copenhagen, the the Riga team that we're gonna be playing, is that the same Riga team that we played last time? Is it a different I don't think it is. I think it's a different different team. Can we all um, hope they say the they have the same photographer that the Riga team last time had? Well, if he sends the photos that he said he was gonna send us, you're like all the the Sheffield fans who took photos, I'll send you a photo. I had you on Facebook. Didn't send a single photo. I have got him on I Facebook. Want, I want to say the Riga team then was HK Kerbads, was it? Yes, yes it were. Yeah. Yes, it was Andrew. Well remembered. Better than mine and Joe's memory. <laughs> that hard. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. I hope he's there. He's a great laugh. He were actually, yeah. 
In fairness, what the, some of the fans that we spoke to from Regan Rungstad, they were they were decent. I don't think there was many, if any at all, from Minsk. No, don't think there were. I can't. Well, yeah, I don't think there were. I don't really know, to be honest. I'm just disappointed to find out that this rink doesn't have terraces. But then at the same time, if we go to a penalty shoot, I'll be quite happy that this rink doesn't have terraces. I'm sure our, our tickets are standing. Are they? I'm pretty certain our tickets. God, right, boys. Get, get right in the LA, LA, LA chance, apparently. That's what we do when we've got a standing block. 13. Can nope. I shout three pound? You can shout three pound as much as you want, Greg. 24 kroner. Be respectful to local customs. Anyway, gents, that's the Conti Cup. Does, do we have anything else to add on the Conti Cup? Nope. It's being shaking heads again. This is radio, it's not television. Um, next thing I've got written down is Halloween. It's Halloween on Sunday. Next thing. Um, no, sorry. Uh, some teams have released Halloween jerseys. And we thought that it would be quite a fun moment and also a moment to to postpone a conversation that we nearly had two weeks ago on the podcast um, to kind of compare and discuss which team has the best Halloween jerseys. And I don't actually think there's going to be much dispute in which team has the best. I think the conversation may focus more on which team has the worst of the ones that we've seen. Uh, However, as far as we're aware, and if you are a fan of any other team that has... Halloween jersey that we haven't discussed please let us know but we have tried to do his due diligence on, on finding any Halloween shirts we have Halloween shirts for the Dundee Stars the Sheffield Steelers Coventry Blaze Manchester Storm Belfast Giants and finally the Nottingham Panthers uh, what, do we, what, what, what do we think boys first, first thing we're going to go straight away I know exactly the answer that we're going to get. Which team wins? Manchester. Manchester. I hate to say it, but yeah. I just didn't want to say it. <laughs> I'll say it. I, just thought, it. I just thought we'd get it out of the way now. I guess so. Let's move on, move on to it. the votes, yeah. Um, if you've not seen the Manchester one, I have full agreement, by the way. Manchester, 100%. If you've not seen them, it is basically a take on what Chucky wears in child play. They've got like the stripy, stripy long sleeve shirt with the uh, denim suspenders over the top. Absolutely fantastically done. Um, and yeah, that's the most praise Manchester will ever get on this podcast. Uh, that's, that's not true because Greff's here. Pod- but, um, I'd say this podcast has had a lot more Manchester love for a change. It has. It's recording. It has. Do we let Manchester Storm TV know about this? We've not mentioned anything about filming on a potato. I've said this already. They don't now film on a potato. They just need to tell the cameraman to stop zooming in following the play, like two inches from the players. Back, but yeah, anyway, sorry. Off track. Um, we've talked about Manchester shirts. Uh, I'll just throw it out for general comments because there's one thing that I just, I, I just, we need to talk about. So we're going to see if anybody mentions it before I do. Calgary have just scored against the Penguins as well. Um, I go, go on, guys. Whoever wants to jump in, jump in. Yeah, well, I think we all agree Manchester is the best one that's been out so far. Um, my order. Um, I go Coventry next. Um, I then go Dundee. 
Avengers Sheffield. Losing points on many levels. Um, Belfast. And then Nottingham. That's my order of from best to worst. What about your guys? Uh, looking at them, obviously, uh, Manchester first, then Coventry. Dundee, yeah, I'd say they're third. Then with you guys. And can I say just a, a joint bottom for Nottingham and Belfast? Yeah, we'll go with that. I'd say pretty much the same. Uh, Storm first, Country second, Dundee third. Uh, I'd probably then say Nottingham, then Belfast, and then Steelers, because the Steelers have, have blatantly copied Coventry. I mean, it's exactly the same. Uh, I'm just putting it out there, because he's, he's, he's been around for a while, like that design uh, from Rebecca Thompson, I believe. And you can tell that that Rano have just said, I, I, I'm having that, like we do every other design. So, yeah, last of me, Steelers. Just poor. I like Andy's getting the sass this week. Look at this. I'm taking off. <laughs> Ladies and gents, we're scrapping Stafford stories and stats this week. We're getting Stafford sass. This is, uh, that's your name yeah. for the podcast. He's not wrong, though, is he? That's the worst thing. Um, yeah, 100%. We know who's first. I'm not even going to say it again. Uh, second, Coventry. Third, Dundee. I'll still put Steelers in fourth because it is still a nice jersey, but I do agree they lose points for the um, duplication, shall we say. Um, I'm going to go Nottingham and then Belfast last. Uh, reason for Belfast being last is because I just think he's a bit boring. He's just a dark shirt. It's not different to the Challenge Cup one. Yeah. I mean, we've already discussed, or we've probably not discussed as much as we'd like, the fact that the the Belfast Giants logo now just looks like the New England Patriots logo. Um, Then they've taken the colour out of it, which makes it look even more like the Patriots logo, particularly given the navy blue background that they've then put the jerseys on. Um, I mean, they need a bit of red in there, and then it will literally just be the Pats logo. But I, yeah, I just don't, I just don't see it. It's just like a boring navy. It doesn't look bad. It's just not very imaginative. At least you can kind of see what the Panthers have done. You have to kind of zoom in to see what the, the Giants have done with theirs. Um, yeah, Coventry's looked great. As as Andy said, it was done. Um, was, I think it was was it a fan competition or something like that? It was like design the jersey and then whoever wins gets it made for the next season. I think it was done around COVID, wasn't it? like yeah. done during lockdown yeah. or something yeah. so it's been out for a long time and then all of a sudden the Steelers design comes out and I don't know about you guys I didn't realise that it was Neither exactly the same Neither and, did I. and I voted for the white jersey because mm. the, the other jersey was pretty much the exact same as last year's so I voted for the white jersey uh, thinking oh yeah it's great we've thought out the box it's different fantastic happy with that and then as you go on social media and you just kind of go, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I also don't get why they've put it on an orange, on, sorry, on a white jersey. If it was me, I'd have put it on an orange jersey or something with a bit of colour. I think the, the rib cage kind of merges into the white jersey a little bit too much. It also uh, looks like a cold spring than ribs, I think. It's because of the way it's shaped. 
Down a bit low as well, doesn't it? No, I... It's like, I don't know. I feel like if you're wearing the jersey, the bottom of the rib cage will be pretty much... Particularly given people wear them a bit oversized, they'll be pretty much down by, like, your hips by the time you're at the bottom of the rib cage. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Drop the ball on that one, I think. Um, Dundee's... Yeah, orange, but the the orange on the pumpkins works nicely against the navy. Yeah, I don't really know if there's anything else to say. If everybody else just wants to agree that the Steelers is just a duplication of the Coventry one, and then move on. Yeah, anything else? Seen shaking heads. Dave's gone surprisingly quiet. I think we've covered it well. The whole topic. I think we can. Uh... Move on. We can, we can. Um, the next thing that I have, ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for to quote the greatest showman. Uh, we are on to Stafford Stats. Oh, hold on. Sorry, no. Let me just put one pause on that. One pause on that. I apologise. You've got him excited now. I know. Well, as you know, he's just like, you go with the tease and then, you know, it's just, just keep a bit more suspense. Uh, one thing I realised, I apologise, I wrote it down at the bottom of my page, which is why I didn't think about it. One thing I realised we hadn't included in it, it's only really a quick mention. Uh, we mentioned last week about Glasgow putting out the, the, the statement that how to say something without saying something, as Dave titled it perfectly. Um, they then released a statement further to say that they're delaying more games uh, something to do with a conference that, or something that was already in place well before the fixtures were announced. So it seems like a bit of a flimsy reason, really. Um, don't really understand that myself. If I was a Glasgow fan, I'd be kind of wondering what's going on and why the, the game's being pushed back again. But, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, I just thought I'd give that a quick mention. If anybody's got anything else to say on that, I don't really know the, the full details. I just know they postpone games. I, I'm, I'm just shocked that the conference kept under lock and key and no one knew about it until four weeks ago um you know it's not going to have you know any world leaders or any important uh, players in the political world is it so it's just a uh, just a box standard meeting so uh i'm a bit surprised that uh, it's been kept so uh on the down of this uh, massive conference i'm just stunned shocked and surprised and it's just another rubbish excuse um but yeah, but they've got their preseason game next week, I think, against Solway. Already sold out. So a bit of positive uh, news for Glasgow. Even, you know, just gets the fans back in watching their team, which is a good thing. Hopefully, they can get, well, the games do go ahead and there is another further pushback and then pushback. Because we all want plan to be in this league and especially when it comes to playoffs that playoff weekend the amount of people they bring the atmosphere even when they're not playing at all it's it's great so it'd be a shame if well this season they didn't actually carry on and the fact that they've got a game and it's sold out straight away shows that yeah you've been away for well over 18 plus months even more so than other teams but they've still got a fault that following that fan base that's brilliant and isn't it something similar something similar and silly like insulate britain uh conference or something 
is I had hold on, give me a second. I had it actually up. I've just gone to a different screen. Um, buh, 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 buh. sorry, I did have it. The reason for these changes is due to the local infrastructure pressures caused by the COP26 climate change conference taking place in Glasgow during early November, but also the time frame in coming to an agreement in relation to the future of Brain Arena. That is the concerning bit. Why? I, I, yeah. So the, the agreement that they allegedly come to with Brayhead Arena is now also taking longer despite the fact that they'd already allegedly come to the agreement. that, But yeah, that seems to the whatever I just said, the climate change conference. Fair enough. Yeah, it just seems strange. Right? If you've got some sort of agreement in place, you'd think they'd give people a bit more time, a warning to say what's going to happen, what's not happening. So it just seems weird how it's all very last minute. Mm. Uh like you said, concerning where it says uh, future of Braid Arena, that could mean absolutely anything. So uh, already my alarm bells starting to ring a bit here. Uh, obviously, Glasgow is not another team that want to see leave leave the league. Uh, it's been far too many of the last couple of years anyway. So another one would pretty much, I think, just be the death of the league. It really would. So hopefully um, there is some positive things to come out of this. But it's great that, you know, uh, they can sell out, sell out a game, even if it's a smaller rink, they can sell out a game and they've still got some some games coming up, even if it's just pre like a pre-season sort of thing. So, yeah, hopefully it's a uh, sign of good things to come. Yeah, we hope that change comes. No one wants to see Glasgow out of the league. We all love having Glasgow there. We all love, as, as you guys have already said, playoffs in particular quality team to have at playoffs, quality team to have bring the drummers to your arena, even if it gets other instruments and drums banned from your arena. Um, they should start charging them for tickets for the drums, shouldn't they? You could pay a £3 transaction fee for each ticket for the drums. Be appropriate. Would be appropriate. Um, we got anything else to add on Glasgow? Sorry, I know that's a bit of an impromptu ad. It just suddenly dawned on me that they'd changed that and we'd not really mentioned it. I'm seeing shaking heads and stuff. So we'll move on from Glasgow. Stafford, I apologise. I'll resume where I left off. Uh, Stafford's stats. No, it's no problem. Uh, I'm just getting up now. <laughs> I've had them up before. Um, okay, so I just wanted to... I'll go for the top scorers so far in the league and uh, in the Challenge Cup. Let's uh, get up now. Okay, so in the league... Uh, Top points, we've got Brody Reed still in first. Uh, he's got 10 points. Uh, then it's pretty much all Steelers from there. We've got Valorand with nine. Uh, Dane Todd again with nine. And then uh, Dowd and Conley both have eight points each. Uh, in terms of goaltending, uh, Stoyanovitz, even though he's played a lot less games than probably some of these netminders combined, uh, still up there with 93.84 save percentage. Uh, then we've got Matt Ginn with 93.33 Kevin Linskoog with 93.16 uh, and CJ Mark with 92.86 and then Morrison with 91.39 uh, and in terms of the Challenge Cup uh, pretty common theme again at this time it's Belfast who have got the top points in the Cup we've got David Goodwin with 14 Scott Conway with 13 JJ Picnic with 10 and then Jordan Boucher with 9 
Uh, and with Steelers, we've got Tanebele with eight points. Uh, and once more, Belfast's uh, Tawabeskarawani, 96.05 percentage. Uh, and then Cozen for Devils with 95.74. Stranowitz with 93.62. Linsku for Guildford with 93.84. And Carr for Panthers 91.82. And I'll just run through the league standings that we've got me right now. Uh, Steels are at top with seven games played. We've got 10, 10 points. And second is Cardiff with seven points in five. Then we've got Coventry. Also with seven points in five, then Nottingham in fourth with six points in four, Guildford with six points in five, Manchester with six points in six, Belfast with two points in three, Flyers with two points in five, uh, and then Dundee in well, joint ninth, tenth, Nilpois uh, still. So it's looking very good for them. They've got uh, less points than Glasgow and Glasgow haven't even played yet. So looking very good. Um, yeah, my main stat tonight I just wanted to focus on this I know it's been something that I've discussed quite in depth over the last couple, uh, couple of weeks slash months is the situation in terms of uh, Brits in, in the Elite League uh, Complete Hockey News put a, put a post out uh, I think it was last week that our top point scorers around the world basically have included the uh, the leagues in, in America then pretty much every league in every top division league in Europe. Uh, I just wanted to go through them because it is it is pretty it's quite a sad statistic really. Uh, so in, in the Swedish hockey league, there's 270 uh, Swedish players in that one. In the Swiss national league, there's 266 homegrown players. Uh, in the Finnish league, there's 362. In the French league, Magnus 175. Slovakia and Tipos, extra league, it's 271. The Danish Metal in is 171. The Norwegian league in is 201. The Alps Hockey League, which is basically Austria, Italy and Slovenia. Austria has 198. Italy 167. Slovenia only has 29, though because that league is pretty much a three-country league, it's a bit difficult or unfair to really say that they have the lowest because... As a league, they've got pretty close homegrown players, so I'll just leave that one aside. In the Ukrainian league, 134. In the Polish league, 155. And then they get to the IHL now, there's 77 homegrown British players. That's including Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland and England this season that are registered in the IHL. And just for a funny point, I thought I'd uh, look at the Australian league. Uh, they've not played since 2018-19, uh, and they had 138 homegrown registered players. So it it just says it all. <laughs> it we all got to start somewhere. All the, all these leagues have started somewhere with homegrown talent, and look where they are now in the world. And again, with my point to to the British team, yeah, they've they've got some good players in that, but a lot of them are North American imports. So without them, would we really be, you know, in the position they are now? So what they really need to be doing is looking at these homegrown players and developing them. Because this, if this season proves anything, it's that Ulrich, uh, Betteridge, Ferrara, and many others that I've caught in mention, uh, you know, they really are pushing for that. They're showing that what these Brits can do. And... If if we're going to be taken seriously properly, we need to start looking at homegrown players. 
we need to start getting them in, in, into the top league, developing them. Because otherwise, I don't know, just, just can't see his progression progressing very much. Because there's only so many pe- so many imports that you know have British ties that you can really include in your British roster. And when, and when they run out, then what are you going to do? Because we just have nobody really that that are getting that chance to step up. Not as much as they should be doing anyway. So, yeah. I, I don't want you guys think of that, but... I find it quite baffling when it was, it's bad enough anyway before you mention the Australian Hockey League. And then, yeah, when we get to the is it AIHL or whatever it is that this is, it, it's the Australian League that doesn't, that doesn't play at the same time, isn't it? So it's the Australian League that yeah. plays in like the summer, essentially, as is here. Like to me, if anything, that would be the league you'd expect to be at the bottom, just because you do hear about a number of international players that go over to play in the Australian league during what is for us the off season. So to hear that they've got nearly double the amount of homegrown players in Australia, that you know, I couldn't name you a single Australian hockey player. Don't know if anybody else could. But Steve Downey plays for Manchester, and I think there was one. Um... Played for Washington, he won the cup. Can't remember his name. Honestly, no idea. I, I, I couldn't be Nathan Walker. That's the one. Thank you. It's just baffling. So, a a horrifying commentary on the on the on the state of domestic hockey over here at the moment. I think is is the best way to describe that. I've seen Nogland. I was going to say, also, it's James Downing, not Steve. Sorry, I don't know where I got Steve from. <laughs> but, yeah. But, whatever. <laughs> the delay from Gref saying that, definitely had to search that just to double check he was right before he actually told you. Oh, I was calling him Jamie at the start, don't worry. <laughs> Anything else on that, boys? Or are we happy to... Uh... To move on to the, the last part of the podcast, we're at a normal point of about two and a half hours by this stage, so let's whiz through these. Um, Andy's been reading these out. Andy, do you want to read them out? Do you want me to read them out? Um, you can do it, Sean. That's completely up to you. I, I read it out, mind. I only asked because I realised we didn't say before, so I didn't know if you've got the games in front of you. I've got them written down. I have at the moment. So. I, I'll do it because I've got them written down and I'm I'm conscious that we're, we're running two and a half hours already. Um, Friday, we've got a league game on Premier Sports, Nottingham v Belfast in Nottingham. What do we reckon, boys? Belfast 4-2. I guess they Belfast 4-1. Belfast 2-1. Nottingham three two. In fact, you on that actually. If you if you sorted the league table out in win percentage rather than points, Nottingham would be top of the league right now. Um, Challenge Cup game in Manchester. Manchester v Sheffield. Don't all Sheffield three two. 
<laughs> Check it out, three, two. I'm going to say Manchester 3 2. Manchester 4 2. I say Sheffield 4 2. Uh, then move on to Saturday. We've got two league games, the first of which being Cardiff v Nottingham in Cardiff. Cardiff won three overtime. Say the score again, mate. Sorry, Cardiff. What four three? Was four, that? four three overtime. Yeah. Four three overtime. Okay. See, I was going to say Cardiff, but four three regulation. Cardiff five three. Cardiff four two. Uh, second league game of the day will be Dundee Guildford in Dundee. I will say Guildford five two. Dundee three two. Guildford 4-1. Guildford 3-1. Challenge Cup action in Belfast. Belfast Flyers. Belfast 5-2. Belfast 4-1. Belfast 6-3. Belfast 4-2. Last game on a Saturday is Sheffield-Manchester in Sheffield. Also a Challenge Cup game. Five two Sheffield. Yeah, I'll say five two Sheffield. It'll be shambolic stuff by Finner because he'll pull his netminder twice. He'll do a Tampa Bay. Sheffield four three. Uh. Sheffield 4-3, sorry. Um, and we go Sheffield. I can't go 4-2 again. I've gone 4-2 twice already. In fact, three times already. Sheffield 5-3. Just like I'll, I'll ask this question primarily to Dave and Andy, primarily because the, it's up in the air so much of the situation. In addition to that Sheffield game, at home, Challenge Cup, who gets the start, Stajanovic or Brust? Brust. Brust, because he can't get everyone to look after his dog for away games, so Brust. You know what? I genuinely am convinced now that that's the reason that he doesn't play away games. 
Ref. As, re- as reasons go, it's good. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I'll go with Broster. For that exact reason. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, Sunday, we're going to the only league game of the day. Guildford, Manchester in Guildford. I'll go Guildford 3-2. Guildford 4-1. Guildford 4-2. Guildford 5-3. Also, I'm liking the game of chicken that's going on between Gref and Davis to see who's going to talk first whenever it comes to the <laughs> prediction. Um... Challenge Cup game, Coventry Cardiff in Cov. Andy, do you want do you want to just go? This is I might time. as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, it's Challenge Cup. Sorry, did you say? Challenge Cup. Right. Uh, I'm going to say. Coventry 4-3. If you're going to dare us, Joe, to play a game, then we're going to do it. But uh, Coventry 3-2. I, I didn't think that was a bad idea. <laughs> Say that again, mate, sorry. Coventry 3-2. CJ mocked upset the whole Cardiff bench. Yeah, I'll go Cardiff 4-3. Yeah, I'm going to go Cardiff 3-1. Fife Dundee in Fife, also Challenge Cup. Dundee 4-2. Dundee 4-3. Five, five, three, two. Oh. Five. Four, three. Uh, last game, Wednesday. Uh, Sheffield versus five in Sheffield. That's a league game. The Wednesday game. Well, wow. I know our schedule over the next week is horrific. <laughs> 6 2 Sheffield, 5 1 Sheffield, mm. 4 1 Sheffield, Uh, 3-1 Sheffield uh, that's it gents that's that's the last of the games to predict I'll quickly just tell you the scores on the doors from last week really, at some point we really need to start adding these up and seeing how we're doing as, a, as an accumulative thing uh, out of 10 games last week and like we said before we'll go for a point for the Result so for the correct victor and then a point for the correct score. 
so realistically, we're looking at a total of 20. Uh, in last place this week, uh, Gareth Dutton, stand up and take a bow. Um, we'll also say all of Gref's points came on the Sunday night in Sheffield 5, Manchester Cardiff, Belfast, Dundee. So probably the most three obvious games at the weekend. You got no points on Saturday, no points on Wednesday. So congrats, mate. I'm just taking the lead from Buffalo last season. <laughs> yeah, last season, mate. Last season. Um, joint, no, no, not, not joint, sorry. In third place is uh, is Mr. David Grant, five. Uh, although I will add to that, as I said earlier, he got one correct score in that, which is uh, uncommon for us to do. Uh, and in joint top was me and Andy with seven. Uh, again, Andy got a correct score in that as well. So, con- congratulations to all involved. Uh, that was a weird way to finish off. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to all involved. Never mind. Um, gents, that, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We've smashed the two and a half hour mark this week. So, let's make the outro relatively brief. Has anybody got any other business they want to discuss? Yeah. Seen shaking no. heads. And Andy's like it knows, so I'm going to presume that's a no. Um, Greff, thank you very much, sir. I hope the Buffalo start losing because, quite frankly, I can't take this. It's a bit weird. I hope we keep winning because this is weird. It's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? Winning. Yep. We're not say anything where we're 1-0 down to Calgary tonight. So, anyway. Um, if you were about to say that. I was about to say Cardiff, actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, Dave, thank you very much, sir. No, thank you, thank you, Andy and Graf, and to the listeners who, if they are still at this stage, well, fair play. Um, thank you, now, thank you all very much. Been another enjoyable two and a half ish hours of wonderful conversation. Yes, that was a very weird way of saying it as well. Wonderful. It was a <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something else, which is completely not what we try and do on this podcast well we're now going to try and decide whether or not we're uh, we're calling the com- we're calling the podcast this week uh shambolic dops or whether it's going to be called uh wonderful conversation uh shambolic stafford sass <laughs> shambolic <laughs> stuff <laughs> brilliant brilliant uh last but not least as 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 aforementioned andy thank you very much sir thank you for fighting for another week of uh, of illness to join us um yeah trooper you're very welcome. Uh, thank you, Joe. <laughs> uh, thank you, Joe. Thanks, Greff. Thanks, Dave. Uh, uh, thanks to everyone listening, especially with uh, my snotty self. Uh, I sound horrible, even worse than usual. So, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, without Joey Martin, you are the real goats. So, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, mate, uh, in fairness, you've not sounded that bad until you used the phrase snotty self, which might be the most grim thing you've ever said. Um, but no, gents, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, everybody listening, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll keep this run going, full roster uh, and weekly podcast. We won't keep this going weekly podcast if it's on a Thursday. I've just realised me and Gref aren't here. That's something for us to discuss anyway. Um yeah, everybody listening, thank you very much. Another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.